It's time for Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. For the next three hours, it's high school basketball from across the Mountain State. Live from Marshall University, here's your host, Ryan Epling. Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Scores online, all of them. In West Virginia, visit BasketballNight.com. Streaming video live from the studios at Marshall University. Visit BasketballNight.com for video, audio, and the Basketball Friday Night Scoreboard. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by clicking the Listen Live tab. We want you to become part of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. We'd like for you to become our correspondent. Update us on your team's games tonight. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. Call the show. We want to hear from you. Toll free, 855-784-6677. Give us an update on your team's game. You can tweet, text, email, or give us a call. Find out how by visiting basketballnight.com. Special thanks again to all of our affiliates carrying the show tonight. Online poll. Have you checked it out? We want you to join us online and vote in this week's poll. Last week, we asked you, do you think the NHS rules regarding uniforms and accessories are too strict? 75% of you said yes. We need to let Bo Anderson know that. This week's question, should coaches be able to call live ball timeouts in high school? So go to basketballnight.com to vote in this week's poll. You'll see the poll on the right-hand side of the page. And you've got till 11.45 tonight to vote. It's basketballnight.com. Basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. 
Now, back to your hosts, Coach Rick Marone and Ryan Epling. And we welcome you to Basketball <laughs> Friday Night in West Virginia. Yes, in fact, we are here. Glad to have you with us on this Friday, January 20th, 2017. Lots of basketball to talk about tonight. Sorry for the pump fake there at the top of the show. We're all good now. We're ready to go. You all bit, didn't you? We were, we, we were too. So. Yeah, we, we've been on it as well. But uh, nonetheless, right up on Joe Linville, Rick Marone, happy to have you along. We know you're here for scores. A lot of games going on. Weather not a factor throughout the state. And before we get to a scoreboard here at Coach Marone, you don't know what you're going to get because this time last year, we were preparing for a foot and a half of snow that blanketed virtually the entire state. And actually, was the first time we'd ever canceled a show for uh, last year. Uh, we put on a best of, which I don't know how Marcus managed to do that because it's a live scoreboard <laughs> He's show. He's a wizard, but he did, and it was good. I don't. It wasn't us. It was him. Marcus, or uh, one of our fine uh, folks in the back, taking care of things for us there last year. But it was this weekend last year. There was a state of emergency. There were no basketball games played. It's 50 degrees. I was walking in smelling barbecue from next door. I, this, is, this is the life here. Yeah, I tell you what, the uh, year changes a lot, uh, knock on wood. Uh, it's been a great year so far for weather-wise. And over the last couple of years, when you think about it, uh, Joe, not just the weather we dealt with last year, but before that, the year before we had the water issues, the flooding, we had the contaminated water. I mean, we had mess after mess. This year has went relatively smoothly. And I tell you what, there's some great matchups tonight when you look on both sides, the girls and the boys. We'll get into a lot of that in just a little bit. But, man, basketball is, is flourishing right now, and the weather's been a big part of that. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm excited about some of these scores from these tournaments. We've got the hometown invitational going on. We've got the Hatfield-McCoy shootout down in Williamson. Already had a couple of good games down there today. So I tell you what, it, it's shaping up to be a great night in high school basketball across the state. Yeah, and, and we'll have some interesting phone calls. We'll say that in, uh, about some stories that are um, just coming out uh, last night into today that, that are, that's actually going to change the landscape of, of high school basketball, at least in the northern panhandle a little bit. I think it's going to have a, uh, an effect that will trickle down a little bit as well. We'll talk about that. In a moment, but um, you mentioned that Hatfield McCoy shootout, Joe, and we'll get our scoreboard here in just a second. But hey, West Virginia doing very well early on in that in their games without a state opponents. Yeah, so far so good. Maybe even an upset if you might uh, call it that, because I understand that uh, Sheldon Clark team was pretty decent, and uh, the Scott Scouts come in maybe pulled off a little upset there in that tournament in game what game two. And that wasn't the only big comeback, or at least in terms of a, a big win for a West Virginia team. Those are your teases. <laughs> but now it's time for our first scoreboard update of the night. Rick Marone, you'll get the boys' scores. I'll take the bottom half of the boys' scores. Joe will give you the girls' scores. Looking for scores? Look no more. It's basketballfridaynight.com. Scoreboard update, your one-stop shopping for high school basketball. Boys' scores rolling in already. Frankfurt gets a 57-51 win over MVCA. Magnolia, the Blue Eagles, taking on Payton City. That game's still in progress. The game before mentioned, Sheldon Clark, Kentucky, falls to the Scott Skyhawks, 75-73, part of the Hatfield-McCoy shootout in the very historic Williamson Fieldhouse hosting that event this weekend. Nicholas County, the Grizzlies at the end of three, lead Greenbrier East 42-38. The Winfield Generals defeat the Wayne Pioneers 76-50 in a big Cardinal Conference matchup in that one. Wheeling Central Catholic, this game at the half, 
They lead Charleston Catholic 36-29. That was part of a boy-girl doubleheader. Uh, Joe will have the girls' side for you on that in just a bit. Spring Valley falls tonight to GW 84-54. The win goes to the Patriots. Chapmanville leading Logan. Big-time matchup in the Logan Fieldhouse, 39-28. Chapmanville leads in that one. Musselman, 49-46 winners over Martinsburg. Very low low scoring. Uh, I know later later in the show, the Cos will check in on that one. It was a rather sloppy game, but a very heated contest. Musselman with the win, 49-46. Hedgesville, 57. Spring Mills, 32. That game is final. And into overtime, Pikeview and Wyoming East are battling. It was 54-all to end regulation. Joe, you got to look at the girls' scores. And on the girls' side of the scoreboard, it was St. Joe tonight falling to Bullet East Kentucky, 73-61. Petersburg defeated Moorfield tonight, 61-39. It was Wheeling Central over the Charleston Catholic Irish, 35-17. Gilmer County defeated Braxton County tonight, 67-32. Buchanan Upshur picks up another win as they defeat the Robert C. Bird Eagles, 63-37. Fairmont Senior and the Lincoln Cougars are all tied up and headed to overtime after regulation play at 46. It was the Huntington Highlanders over Riverside, 76-46. It was a tight one as the Morgantown Mohegans defeated University, 43-42. And a, the last one in a final, it was the Winfield Generals over the Polka Dots, 75-49. And that's a look at your BasketballNight.com scoreboard. All those scores on BasketballNight.com, at Hoops underscore Roundup on Twitter. Now, a story, there are two stories going on out of Wheeling that are in the Wheeling area. That are, that are just breaking as we speak, basically. Sean Ryan writes for the Wheeling Intelligencer. He joins us now on the program. And, Sean, I guess we got to go with what just came out this evening. Wheeling Central is now looking for a football coach. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> so this keeps developing, too. This story is still evolving as we speak. Um, I'm waiting on one more call. Uh, I'm hearing there's a chance that this is going to get reversed. <laughs> All right, so Mike Young, the football coach of Wheeling Central, five-time state champion, and uh, you know, word going around up there that, that he had been let go by Wheeling Central. Of course, unlike public schools, private schools can actually fire coaches uh, just directly. And uh, so that's something going on. And, Sean, also another big deal coming out of uh, the Northern Panhandle yesterday – Bishop Donahue High School is going to close. Very, very shocking. Um, it's it's sad, is what it is. Um, we have three children. Uh, the, the oldest is nine, and uh, they go to what was going to be, or what was, I guess now, the feeder school for Bishop Donahue. So it's it's kind of thrown us all for a loop. Um, and it's kind of weird because when you hear of schools closing or schools merging or consolidating, you think about a lack of students. They don't compete in athletics. The lack of students part is correct on Bishop Donahue's end. I mean, they hover always around 100. But we're talking about a program who competes at a high level in Class A in basketball, in football. They won a state cheering championship. I mean, this just isn't your normal 
story that you hear when you think about something like this. Sean, this is Joe Linville. Was there any inkling, any talk, any rumors, or anything about this uh, school closure? Well, there have been rumors for a while. Um, in 2010, the Bishop of the Wheeling Charleston Diocese came out and said, you know, if things don't pick up, it, it's going to be an either-or. And at the time, it was Wheeling Central and Bishop Donnie, who were both on the chopping block, um, at least the way it made it sound. But it seemed like everything had kind of gotten into a, a little bit better of a, a place. But I guess with, with the declining enrollment and only five and a half miles apart, financially they said they just couldn't do it anymore, keeping two Catholic schools open within that you know that close proximity. Bishop Donahue boys basketball in 2007 was the Class A runner-up. Uh, you mentioned that's a program that's had a lot of success. It's one that's uh, made it to Charleston multiple times in, in recent years even. Um, I, I, like you said, I think that that's one of those situations where, and you, you can speak to it as a parent too, it's, very, it's just stunning. It is, and it was particularly stunning uh, the way the parents found out which was buying an email blast, if you can believe that or not. That's uh, definitely something that's uh, a little bit different uh, in today's technology age. But something I wanted to clear up, too, is that I think that a lot of people initially felt that it would just be that, like, Wheeling Central would absorb Bishop Donahue's students. and But while they're under the same archdiocese, that. It's also, correct me if I'm wrong here, I mean, those are separate schools, those are separate entities, uh, they're private schools, so again, it's not like uh, the situation is with a public school where you're within a boundary area there, it's just that Willing right. Central becomes the closest private school to Bishop Donahue. Yeah, and, and the wording was kind of odd uh, when they say merge. Because um, it's definitely not a merger, like you said. It's it's two, you know, private institutions. You cannot force a kid to go from one private institution to another. Whereas if a school closed or they consolidated and they were still in the same county, if you wanted to be in that county, that's where you had to go. It's it's just not that way. And I'm not sure why they worded it that way. I'm sure there's a reason um, that I'm not privy to. But uh, there's a lot of upset people here and you know I, again my kids are in that system so you hear and you and you, you talk to people and we're very involved with that and, and with the church so there aren't and I, okay let me preface this by saying i don't know how much of it is uh out of shock or anger at this point but to me i don't see a lot of those kids going to wheeling central and I hate to use the word benefit, but the school that's probably going to benefit from this is John Marshall in Triple A. Um, of course, Bishop Donahue High School, located in McMeckin, just a little bit north of Moundsville, would be within the John Marshall um, drawing area. Um, Sean, we know that you're still working on that Mike Young story. Um, I'll let you just go ahead and give out your Twitter handles so people can follow you if they want to follow up on that. All right, it's at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, underscore Ryan, R-I-N-E. Sean Ryan of the Willing Intelligence. Sir, thank you so much for joining us on what I know is a, kind of a, a busy, awkward beginning to your weekend. 
It is. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks a lot. Sean Ryan of the Willing Intelligence. Or before we go to Bill Nestor, which we'll do in just a moment, guys, let's kind of digest that for a moment here. Bishop Donahue shutting down is, uh, is a big deal. There were 107 students in that school as of the last classification period, so that may not sound like such a big number, but it's the fact that that's a school in that region that has been a factor and now that's 107 students, you know, athletes, non-athletes, that have to find another place to go to school. Well, I think it, it was a great perspective that Sean had. Here's a parent. He's, He's also a sports writer, but uh, he has a parent. As a parent, uh, his whole family is involved, and that was kind of uh, thrown at them. And again, a very kind of different way. You know, you get via email that really your whole educational life. And what you plan for your children, he talked about them being in the feeder schools, uh, going to Bishop Donahue. And, Joe, it kind of throws you upside down, and you could tell he was still kind of processing it himself. Oh, you could hear it in his voice, I mean, just how distraught he was uh, about it. Like he said, he you know he had three children. It's going to affect, you know, where they're actually going to go to school, and it, it caught him blindsided. Uh, you know, he said there had been rumors of a possibility, but, you know, nothing firm. Usually you hear, you know, things on the street before, you know, an announcement is actually made like it. So I can understand how, how concerned the people, would, you know, that are directly involved with that program, you know, feels. We'll get to Bill Nestor here in just a second. Before we do that, I want to mention, though, guys, this is a special episode. This is the 50th episode of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia going back to December of 2013. Not not, not so bad. And again, and I want to mention, too, for our affiliates out there, we already took break one, uh, so we're going to stagger some things out here to kind of even out the rest of the hour so we'll keep you informed on that um with uh, with um audio cues on that but uh nonetheless guys 50 episodes uh, <laughs> did you bring when, cake when, when, did, <laughs> when did that happen right <laughs> tell you what uh, no uh, just thankful for all the people uh behind the scenes uh the the people that listen primarily you know that make this show possible but boy 50 shows it goes quickly uh like Joe said, I'm looking for a cake or something. Uh, <laughs> but it's unreal, you know, the people it takes to put this show on, a lot of great volunteers and our listeners. I mean, if it wasn't for the listeners and our affiliates, we wouldn't be here. So. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, and I'm sorry that uh, we're, we're keeping Bill on hold here for a moment. I keep thinking I of stories it. that kind of fit here. He's not Bo. I don't mind doing that to Bo. I do mind doing that to Bill because Bill's a great contributor to the program. But, um I was at a girls' basketball game last night. Uh, Ravenswood played at Wayne. That's a non-traditional basketball game. And the Ravenswood bookkeeper looks at me and goes, I recognize you. <laughs> You're from Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, aren't you? I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. How many times has that ever happened? <laughs> well, that makes it twice in a row now. But, so, uh, you know, had some uh, folks down chat from Chapmanville who, who were able to recognize um, – that, that we were part of the program and then uh, Ravenswood last night. So uh, that, that's good for our folks from, uh, from that area in the mid-Ohio Valley who have, uh, you know, we, we've made a conscious effort to get our, on the air up there as well. Obviously, uh, if she recognized me, then it's because watching the video stream. But uh, big thanks to them, and it was, a, it was a blast to get to just meet. Again, we talked about last week. You meet new people, and all of a sudden, any, anywhere you go to a game, You've got somebody to look forward to uh, to seeing and catching up with. It's 
part of it. Yeah, I tell you, it is. And uh, the show uh, uh, reaching uh, all across the Mountain State. And again, we appreciate all of our new affiliates and those affiliates that have been with us from the get-go. Uh, you know, uh, I know every week it seems like we get to reach back, as you said, and uh, touch base with people and kind of get our finger on the pulse with what's going on in their particular area. And it's uh, it's just always exciting. We kind of get to be here to kind of navigate through it all, and it's just a great time for everybody. Well, it was a up-and-down type week, though, for the Robert Seabird Flying Eagles, losing to Fairmont Senior last Saturday, then Tuesday night, losing a tough three-point game at home to North Marion before beating Buchanan Upshur in overtime last night, 79-72, the final. That one, Bill Nestor is the voice of the Eagles on WPDX Radio in Clarksburg. He joins us on the program. And, Bill, kind of, you got a little bit of everything there, a, a loss of a game that got away from Robert C. Bird, a, a, a tough, close loss to a good North Marion team, and then an overtime win over Buchanan Upshur. Yeah, we saw it all, guys. What a crazy week for our <laughs> A couple things to go over with you. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the big 5-0, fellas. Usually that's a pretty special event, and for what you guys are doing, it's fantastic for the game of basketball. And it's just an excellent job you guys do, and uh, just happy to be a part of what you do. And pretty exciting time of, uh, you know, you think about 50, and a lot of times people get depressed about it, but this is a milestone uh, and something to be very proud of. Yeah, uh, not not too many people put the number 50 and a positive number together because either it's a low score on a test or it's a it's a high number in terms of years or or, or something of that effect and hey uh, at least I hear it's a big number I wouldn't know anything about that just yet. Well, you know, I, I'm about 20 years away from that number so I you know, ask Joe about it. <laughs> Uh, you, know, you were right, guys. I mean, really, you look at this past week for RCB, uh, you know, really had a 24-20 lead against uh, Fairmont Senior at the halftime break. Of course, a 30-5 run for the Polar Bears in the third quarter kind of kind of doomed the uh, chance for a win against the number one team in AA. And then you come back and you play North Marion, and, man, this uh, Jude Akabizi, he had 12 points to half against RCB on Tuesday, and two of those came on uh, dunks. And uh, really an unbelievable type of center, and they're a very talented team. RCB facing double-digit uh, deficit there in the second half. But far all the way back, they had five threes in the fourth quarter, cut it to three points, and had the ball with four seconds left, but uh, couldn't do anything from there. And then they finally got back in the wing uh, column last night, double overtime contest against uh, the Cannon Upshur, a very talented team. Uh, and, t- and AAA, a lot, of, a lot of times you look at a Cannon Upshur team and, and you think, you know, where they have this. This team may be the best team I've seen there in the last decade. Pretty impressive, but RCB uh, found a way to get that win in double overtime. And Tanner uh, Kennedy, super sophomore point guard, had nine points, all nine points in the first OT. Then he had six points in the second OT and route to uh, a career-high 24 points. So things turned around for RCB there. Now you look ahead, they're going to play uh, Liberty and then Lincoln next week. So just a two-game series next week for the Flying Eagles. Uh, they're excited to get back into a ritual and get some practice time in as well. We've had a lot of games in the last couple of weeks, guys, kind of uh, floor-weary, if you will, but uh, they're going to find themselves to get back in the gym, get some things uh, worked on, and hopefully uh, get prepared here for a, for a pretty solid week. And then a second point here in uh, Harrison County, South Harrison, the Sendaway team, uh, with the best mark in, uh, in Harrison County, first time they've had that since uh, 1986. 
when a fellow named Brett Vincent was leading the Hawks to an undefeated regular season. So that's what's going on in the area with the Hawks uh, having a pretty good season as well. So, uh, but back to the RCB thing, you know, things are starting to come around here. Uh, some of the young guys getting their legs about them, uh, getting the experience they need, and and Coach Bill Bennett just continuing to plug away and working hard with this team. It's a work in progress, but uh, good things seem to be on the horizon. Bill Nusser, WPDX Radio. Of course, we, we consider Bill Bennett a friend of the program. We haven't been able to, to get him this year. We had him quite a bit uh, the first year of our program, uh, which was the year where Robert C. Bird took an undefeated team into Charleston. And, uh, you know, we've watched this team kind of over the, the four years have to remake itself, which every high school in the state has done by this point. But, uh, I, Bill, we still get the idea that, that those Bill Bennett coached ball clubs you don't necessarily want to run into them come postseason. No, I tell you the thing about Bill Bennett that's impressive to me, and of course, you know, don't feel bad, fellas. He's hard to track down for me for pregame interviews, so I can imagine you guys. But uh, he he really does an excellent job with preparing his teams. Uh, one of the best practice coaches in around doesn't waste one single minute of practice time. Always working on something. Always has things uh, ready to go and is prepared. So the thing about uh, Bill and his staff is that they'll uh, they'll have their guys ready to come uh, play come postseason. And you know it's funny because you look back four years ago, he brought in his uh, he had four freshman starters at that time, and those guys really carried the load for a long time. And then uh, he's had to rebuild a little bit. But good news is he's got a lot of talent there, and as soon as they get used to playing at this kind of level and playing the kind of game that he wants, I think they'll be very successful. So. A lot of bright spots, and uh, you know it's been a rough road to Hellfell. I'm not used to to having these kind of losses and some of these narrow losses that RCB typically wins. Uh, but uh, but they're all growing pains, and, and if you can take them in stride and use them in a correct way, it helps your program uh, develop. And I think that's where Bill's at, and that's where the program's going. So. Pretty excited about the rest of the season. Hey, Bill, Joe Linville, you and I have had this conversation in the past with Robert C. Bird being a merger school. Is the community starting with these winning programs? Does that help to get the community more uh, associated or more active with the athletic program there at RCB? You know, Joe, that's a, that's a great point. Anytime you can win, it seems to bring people out. And, and that's that's been the case in the past for this team. Is they, they've started to gradually build a base. You look back, and, and this school is about 20 years old, so you're, you're getting people that, that graduate, uh, they, they become parts of the community, they want to give back and be a part of the program. Uh, some of the old-timers are still holding on to the WI with the RW uh, things, and they don't want to really give up those, but uh, ultimately some of the new blood, they're starting to come around, and you start to see some second-generation players and some things happening. So, yeah, Joe, you're exactly uh, right when you say that's what's starting to happen. Is it happening soon enough? It never quite happens soon enough, especially in this case. But there is the backing. It's getting there, and the base is being built. The foundation's being laid. So it's just a matter of some more people coming out, being a part of it. Uh, you know, the, the prime example this year is, uh, you know, when we had uh, the Cardinal Classic and the Big Ten hookup. We saw a lot of people come out for that, and that was great because that just was an opportunity, an avenue to, to bring people out and get the basketball junkies an opportunity to see some of the better teams and players that they wouldn't have a chance to see until uh, come March. So, you know, when you have those kind of events, those kind of opportunities, and on top of that, your program is winning, 
and good things happen and people start to come out. So we're seeing that build. Hopefully it'll build a little bit faster because you can never, you can never really have too much backing for any program. Bill Nusser, WPDX Radio in Clarksburg, voice of the Robert C. Burt Flying Eagles. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a good weekend, Bill. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. Have a great rest of the show and a great weekend as well. Always appreciate it. And, of course, guys, Bill Nusser, one of our stalwarts. He's been with us since the beginning. He, You know, in many ways, I consider Bill to be like the, the perfect prototype of the phone call because you ask him a question, he gets you an answer. He 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 might lead you somewhere, <laughs> but it's perfect. It's he, he's the uh, he's one of the easiest people to talk to uh, that there is. And and Joe, we we've talked to him before too. And it's just uh, it's people like him that make the show. Absolutely, Bill and I met several years ago when uh, Scott and RCB kind of exchanged uh, a couple games in football, and uh, we just kind of clicked. Hey, you know, we both enjoyed uh, high school sports and both in uh, radio broadcasting. And uh, Bill and I've stayed in touch. He's just a super guy, and we love having him a, as a part of the show. Yeah, I first ran across Bill in 2012, and uh, that was when Robert C. Bird and Wayne were playing a semifinal football game. They played again in 2013. So, yeah, I mean, it's a small world out there, Joe. Small world, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be back with a scoreboard update as we take our second break. This is break two here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. We'll be back with more here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Doug Workman, Point Pleasant, Big Blacks, Lauren Antelock, East Fairmont Bees, Chandler Stacy, Spring Valley Timberwolves, Emily Sarbor, Trinity Christian Warriors, and Seth Meadows, Pikeview Panthers. There will be another name added tonight to the standout athlete of the week. What they all have in common is they were selected by Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia as the standout athlete of the week. Have someone remarkable on your team? Did you have an athlete that made an outstanding play? You can nominate your team's players to become the Basketball Friday Night Standout Athlete of the Week. Each week, we consider nominees based on leadership, performance on the court, academic performance, involvement in the community, and volunteer work. Every Friday night, we select a Standout Athlete of the Week. Head over to our website, basketballnight.com, and click on the Standout Athlete of the Week tab fill out the nomination form. We'll take it from there. We want you to nominate your team's athletes. If you love basketball, then there's only one place to be on Friday nights after the game. It is Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. And we want you to become part of the Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia family. One way you can do that is follow us on Twitter. We'll make sure to mention your name tonight if you follow us at hoops underscore roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. Tweet us your team score, give us your comments on the game, or anything else you want us to know about your team. At Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. New followers tonight. Shout out to Gary Sutton, Gary Zine, Cole, David J. Jones, Abigail Irwin. This is Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. This is High School Basketball's home for the Mountain State. Basketball Friday night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. 
Now, back to Basketball Night in West Virginia with Coach Rick Marone and Ryan Epling. The scores just keep rolling in here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, 931 on this January 20th, 2017. A lot has changed since the last time we joined you. West Virginia has a new governor named Jim Justice. He was sworn in officially on Monday. Who was a guest a couple of weeks ago yeah. on our show. And uh, I might be mistaken on this, but I believe we may have been his final interview before he became the governor in terms of on a statewide level. Because I know a lot of media entities were having a difficult time being able to get an interview with him in between. Yeah. So we thank him so much for uh, for joining us again. We thank him a lot for that because uh, that we greatly appreciate that. And... Uh, you know, of course, there was this little shindig in Washington today. There's, you know, so uh, I think it was more than a shindig. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's amazing. Like you know, we're in a, we're in a time of of things changing locally, nationally. You know, Bishop Donahue getting the word that they're going to close at the end of the year. Um, you know, Sean Ryan still working on that story on William Central, perhaps firing its football coach Mike Young, a five-time state champion. Um, and Mingo Central announced a new coach as well. Yes, Mingo football Central coach. has a new football coach, and he is one of the youngest in the state. I don't know that he is the youngest, but uh, he's definitely one of the youngest. Joey Fields taking over for Yogi Kinder down there at uh, on Minor Mountain. It's really weird to say down there because actually it's up on a mountain. <laughs> it's but, up uh, there. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a straight vertical shot up there, it feels like sometimes. But um you know, Yogi Kinder coached football in this state for a long time, and uh, Rick, it's just we're in, we're in a little bit of a transition phase right now in, in almost every every turn. Yeah, I think uh, every turn, every sport. I mean, there's a lot of turnover. Uh, I believe you're going to see more than just that change in football. There's been others uh, that maybe aren't as high profile that have stepped down in the football realm of it. But uh, on the basketball realm of it, Ryan, it's hard to imagine. We mentioned some of these tournaments that are going on, these great matchups all across the region. Uh, but we're also winding down. We're almost into February, which sectional tournament play on the girls' side is just a few short weeks away. And, of course, the boys a week following. It's really hard to believe. But the home stretch, uh, Joe, the whips are out, and the home stretch is underway, to use a little thoroughbred uh, analogy. Absolutely. I mean, this is the time you want to start peaking. I mean, because you're, like we've said it many times, you're in the, you know, the core of your schedule, and sectionals will be here at the blink of an eye, and you want to be ready to go. Well, speaking of scores, we know that's what you're here for. We've got a lot of boys' scores have come in since our first scoreboard update. We'll talk with Matt Miller, WRNR Radio, in just a moment. But first, it's time for a scoreboard update. Coach Marone, we'll turn over to you. I will take the ball and run and probably won't give it an assist. I'm getting a shot up tonight. All right, this is your BasketballNight.com scoreboard update. And uh, I have uh, been reprimanded. I've eluded one score earlier. The Tulsa Rebels actually came from behind and beat Wesley Christian 66-63. After trailing big, they put up a big fourth quarter. That's in the half Phil McCoy shootout. Big win for the Rebels. Fayetteville gets a win tonight 63-48 over James Monroe. It was Frankfurt 57 MVCA 51. All these are finals. Magnolia 57-53 winner over Payton City. Tigers Valley falls tonight to the St. Mary's Blue Devils. 87-64 was the final. Scott 75, Sheldon Clark 73. Big time upset there in the Hatfield-McCoy shootout for the Skyhawks. Nice win for them. Winfield 76, Wayne 50. Woodrow, Wilson, the Flying Eagles 58, Greenbrier East 49. Wheeling Central 
goes into Charleston, gets a 49-44 win over Charleston Catholic. Actually, that game's at the end of the third quarter. We'll get you a final on that as soon as it comes in. Spring Valley falls tonight. GW 84, Spring Valley 54. Chapmanville gets a win over Logan 67-60. First win over Logan, so a huge win for Chapmanville there. In how long? A long time. <laughs> Joe, feel free to chime in at any moment. Sherman falls tonight to Midland Trail, 70-53. Musselman, low scoring, but a nice win for the Appleman, 49-46 over Martinsburg. Ravenswood, 49, Point Pleasant, 47. May have been a little closer than some thought, but a big win for the Red Devils. Princeton, 50. Hampshire, 47. That game's final. South Harrison uh, gets a... Big win, or actually they fall tonight. East Hardy, 60. South Harrison, 43. Princeton, 50. Hampshire, 47. Kaiser falls tonight to Southern Garrett, 59-57. Hedgesville, 57. Spring Mills, 32. Lewis County, 62. Wheeling Park, 54. And Wyoming East gets a win over Pikeview, 69-56. That's a look at the boys' scores. Now for the girls. And over on the girls' side of the scoreboard in the West Virginia Hometown Invitational, it was Summers County over Tigers Valley 92-51. It was Princeton tonight over Hampshire 45-42. It was Bullet East Kentucky winner over St. Joe 73-61. Petersburg, the Vikings, picked up a win over the Yellow Jackets of Moorfield 61-39. Wheeling Central picked up a win over Charleston Catholic, 35-17. It was the Madonna Blue Dons falling to the Trinity Warriors, 45-32. It was Gilmer County over Braxton County, 67-32. Bridgeport, the Indians over the Lady Colts of Philip Barber, 62-44. Buchanan Upshur picked up a win tonight over the Robert C. Bird Eagles, 63-37. It was the East Fairmont Bees over the Elkins Tigers, 54-45. It was the Lady Polar Bears of Fairmont Senior over Lincoln, 57-52. That game went to overtime. It was the Huntington Highlanders over Riverside, 76-46. The Liberty High Mount or the Liberty Harrison rather Mountaineers fell to North Marion, 97-29, and a close one. It was the Morgantown Mohegans, 43, over University, 42. Lydia Adrian hit a free throw with no time left to pick up the win for the Mohegans. It was the Patriots over Parkersburg South, defeating Wheeling Park tonight, 62-56. The Preston Knights over Grafton, 74-37. It was the Generals of Winfield over the Crosstown rival there, the Polka Dots, 75-49. And Ritchie County over Work County, 62-48. That's a look at your basketball night. Com scoreboard. You can always go to basketballnight.com for those scores or at hoops underscore roundup on Twitter. Now, this time a week ago, we were talking about a game looking forward to tonight between Martinsburg and Musselman. Musselman was undefeated at this time a week ago. Martinsburg had only one loss. It was out of state. But both had a game in between. Martinsburg lost to Sarando, Virginia. Musselman lost to Morgantown. That didn't take anything away from tonight's game. It was a big game tonight. Musselman gets the win over Martinsburg. Matt Miller, WRNR Radio in Martinsburg had the call. And Matt, I know it is a, a disappointing start to the week for both teams. Fantastic ball game tonight, though. One that the uh, Musselman Appleman come out with a win. 
Yeah, we kind of wondered going in, you know, how would both of these teams respond? Musselman coming off of that first loss for Martinsburg, a seven-game winning streak that got snapped, and that was a tough loss against Sharando in overtime. The dog's much younger, and that really showed tonight as Musselman. I think their experience probably helped them out uh, greatly in uh, getting a very tight victory. Well, 49-46, the final score tonight. Musselman with the win. So Martinsburg, though, in back-to-back games, an overtime loss by three and a three-point loss in regulation, both at home. I guess if you're a Martinsburg fan, though, I mean, you had two very entertaining ball games, although they didn't go the way you would want them to go. Well, entertaining, but um, not ones that you're probably going to go back and watch the film over and over again. It was kind of a sloppy game on Tuesday night, and this game tonight is certainly one that was very sloppy. It was a physical type of game on the defensive end. Uh, there were very few uncontested shots, and that led to a lot of missed shots. And, you know, uh, Martinsburg, after shooting well at the free throw line, despite the loss on Tuesday, did not shoot well from the free throw line tonight, just three of nine, but likewise Musselman, uh, we had them at 10 for 23 from the line in this one, and I think that physical nature of the game probably affected both teams, even when they got that free opportunity from the line. Hey, Matt, Joe Linville here with the close score, and I read a couple tweets from the game that sounded like uh, kind of a hotly contested contest at times. Yeah, it really throughout it was. And Martinsburg in the second quarter opened up a 10 point lead as they got the score out to 23 to 13. I was only with a couple of minutes left in that first half. Musselman went on an 8 0 run, cut the deficit down to two at the intermission. We were tied three times in the third quarter before a series of lead changes that ultimately put Musselman out in front 36-35 going into that fourth quarter, and then they outscored Martinsburg 18-11 to over that, uh, excuse me, 13-11 to over that final eight minutes to get the victory. Uh, they missed a couple of free throws down the stretch that really could have stretched it out to a much bigger lead and, and allowed Martinsburg some opportunities to stay in this game. Well, Matt Martinsburg gets right back at it tomorrow with Morgantown coming to town. And I'll tell you what, if you just set up shop in Martinsburg here for the last week or so, you can catch a lot of really good basketball games. Absolutely, and it certainly is not going to get any easier tomorrow, and uh, you don't even get a full 24 hours because that's going to be a 6 o'clock tip time tomorrow evening, and uh, it's a triple header with freshman and J.B., and then the varsity at 6. So uh, no real time for the dogs to lick their wounds. They've got to come out and see if they can get back in the win column. Matt Miller, WRNR Radio, as Musselman defeats Martinsburg tonight in a key showdown in the Eastern Panhandle. A close game is a three-point win for the Appleman 49-46. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Yes. All right, that's Matt Miller again, WRNR. Next week, too, guys, you got Martinsburg and Hedgesville in martinsburg get there early but uh again like we just kind of touched on there those are three counting the morgantown game tomorrow marquee caliber basketball games in martinsburg within a week and then another one coming up next friday with hedgesville i mean that's a if you're just if you live around the martinsburg area want to go see good competitive basketball night in night out 
you don't have to go too far. No, and I tell you what, all those teams are uh, in the mix. Uh, they all have very good uh, opportunities, and they kind of beat each other up throughout the year. But like you said, Ryan, within a stretch of a week to, to maybe eight to ten days, man, you could see some really elite teams coming in there and, and really see some great uh, basketball uh, in close proximity. Multiple sources, by the way saying that Chapmanville's basketball victory over Logan was the first time the Tigers had beaten the Wildcats in 60 years on the hardwood. Wow. That's hard to believe. I mean, it really is. I mean, of course, you know, Logan's had a stellar program for years, but I find that hard to believe, actually. That would have been before Willie Akers was coaching. Exactly. And we had Willie Akers on the program last week. Such a joy to talk with him as well. And uh, Drew Williamson went over the 1,000-point mark last Saturday. See, Chapmanville beat Wayne at Wayne, but only had a two-point lead at halftime. Won that game going away, though, uh, by um, nearly 20. It was either 19 or 21. I don't remember off the bat. But um, Drew Williamson comes from a basketball family or an athletic family, and that's to say the least. Uh, His uh, brother, Paul Herbert Williamson, helped Logan win a state championship uh, just a few years ago. That was that team that had Noah Cottrell and a young guy by the name of Stevie Browning, who turned out to be pretty good, too. Um, Then, you know, you you keep going with that family. And uh, Andy Williamson was an All-American caliber softball pitcher who is currently a professional softball pitcher and uh, doing very well for herself. Uh, not only in the United States, but in Japan as well. Mm-hmm. And then you had, uh, you know, the dad was Andy Paul Williamson, who was a legend in hearts. And st- well, still is a legend in hearts, for that matter. <laughs> Always will be. <laughs> will we'll, we'll forever be a legend in hearts. And was a starting point guard at Marshall for a couple of years on teams that featured Skip Henderson and John Taft. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good pretty good athletic bloodline to come from yeah it's a great bloodline and uh just along that same tradition like we uh, spoke with uh, willie acres last week and uh just that tr- proud tradition of that southern part of the state on the hardwood and uh, the williamson family's been a big part of it absolutely and sometime this evening you know we'll get back to it but you know even just on down the road there just a few miles on down quarter g this hatfield mccoy shootout already some good mm. games and a ton of great games on tap for tomorrow as well we expect that to be a lot of fun over the next really uh, 24, probably about 26 hours or so by <laughs> the time the games get pushed back tomorrow. You know one of those early games is going over. No, and I tell you what, there are some late-night classics. Now, sometimes they don't even tipped off till 9 or 9.30, and, boy, you can really settle in for some great basketball, and the venue's awesome, too, yeah. there at the Fieldhouse. Yeah, down at the Williamson Fieldhouse, again, one of the, just the, the fantastic venues for high school basketball in the Mountain State. We'll step aside for break three. We'll be back to wrap up the first hour of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia when we continue here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Streaming video live from the studios at Marshall University, visit BasketballNight.com for video, audio, and the Basketball Friday Night Scoreboard. Watch our live, high-definition video stream by going to BasketballNight.com. It takes just one click to watch. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by clicking the Listen Live tab. And you can listen to us on affiliates throughout the Mountain State. You'll hear sports writers 
broadcasters, coaches, players, and your calls recapping your team's game. Visit BasketballNight.com for more details on how you can become part of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. Thanks to everyone tonight that called, sent texts, tweets, and emails. We appreciate you being part of the show and helping us cover all high school basketball in West Virginia. Join us on the phone tonight. Share your team's game. 855-784-6677. 855-784-6677. Once again, follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. And a shout-out to all our new Twitter followers, including Logan Cooper, Donnie McCourt, Ball One and Line, Dan, Steve Shaver, Tammy Summers, Lineman, Don Gaynor, Lilo's Mom, Francis Loftus, Stephen Trigg, National Prospect ID, Spencer, the Chapmanville Tigers official account for girls basketball scores and stats, Fallon, Trenton, Brinehart, Rex, Ryan Davis, Kara Hessen. They're all new followers on Twitter. Stay up to date on your favorite teams. Check out basketballnight.com. Now, back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia with Coach Rick Marone and Ryan Epling. 949 on this basketball Friday night in West Virginia. Ryan Epling, Rick Marone, and Joe Linville. Happy to have you along here on another basketball Friday night in West Virginia. We're looking forward to talking with Mike DePasquale in a moment. Uh, he's one of the guys who puts together the hometown invitational. Coach Marone, I know that you're going to have to leave a little bit early on us tonight. Yeah. Uh, you know, senior citizens like myself uh, <laughs> have to get their proper rest. But, uh, yeah, I got an early uh, – Early trip tomorrow, we're really excited about it. And part of that hometown invitation on the girls' side, they'll be participating tomorrow in, in our second uh, pool play game and uh, be traveling up to St. Mary's, so we're excited about that. But Mike does a great job. Him and uh, Coach Meeks from St. Mary's, also one of the, the coordinators. There's other people I'm sure he'll talk about. But it, it's a nice event, our first year participating. I know we've shared with Mike uh, over the last couple of years, he's been gracious enough to join us on the program. and. I tell you, a lot of work goes into that behind the scenes, and it, it's a really class, uh, class event. You almost have to be an uh, engineer to figure out the scheduling <laughs> and how they do that. You sent us a schedule earlier in the week, and I still haven't figured it out. Yes. Just like, now, where, where are they going? <laughs> no. But, but, no, it really is. It, it takes a lot of work, and, and those guys do a lot of uh, excellent, just an excellent job of organizing that event and uh making it work but uh you know you you, you played buffalo um of course you're the head coach of tulsa lady rebels if no one if somebody out there isn't aware um you guys got to win over buffalo though earlier in the week um tell me a little bit about that game and just the atmosphere kind of that goes with the hometown invitational well i'll tell you what it, it's unique in that uh it's statewide uh, there's 20 teams uh, all together but they're from all the corners of the state and so buffalo a team that we had played in the past but in the seating and the pools being set up uh, us and them and st mary's were in one of the pools so you play within your pool then there's a cross match for the semifinals and then they have placement games but uh, uh, it was a great game uh, a good atmosphere and again uh, our kids uh, enjoy being part of the tournament it's, it's that tournament atmosphere and you're still playing uh, for those tournament uh, you know accolades 
so to speak. But uh, Buffalo team we were not normally would have not played, and then tomorrow St. Mary's a team we have never played in girls basketball. So we're excited, kind of treading some new ground. Uh, it's always good to get those. Again, it's almost like it's a state tournament type of matchup in that you're playing schools from different regions in the state, but you get to go and experience those little towns too. And St. Mary's is, is I've, I've been up there a few times for for different reasons and. It's one of my favorite little towns in West Virginia to visit. It's just a nice little place right on the Ohio River there on Route 2 and just above Parkersburg, and it's a, you know interesting, interesting place. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And as you mentioned, Ryan, uh, uh, the Hometown Invitational, I think, lives up to its name. And, Joe, uh, it's about hometowns. And uh, the people come out and support these teams. You would be surprised some of the, the places that we've already traveled this year and we will travel, just the support that these teams have that are still the community schools. That. It's amazing that, you know, a lot of times you think it's just the parents, but a lot of these teams have diehard fans, just like if, you know, a professional team or a college team that travel well with some of these high schools. Well, Joe, and that brings me to, to something with you as well. You follow Scott High School closely, and I think most of the people that are at least in the vicinity of Boone County know that, you know, there, there are some economic problems in Boone County at the moment working to get through them as best they can, the school system there. And, and in many ways, you know, those are when those communities have to bond together, come together, and, and really find a way to get through. And, you know, it's not just affecting, you know, Scott High School in West Madison, but also, uh, you know, Van and Sherman feeling it as well. Right. Just, you know, just a few months ago, the Boone County Board of Education talked about closing Van. I mean, immediately. I mean, you know, immediately. It's on social media. You know, we're having uh, community meetings to talk about this and and to gather support to fight this. And that's when the the true colors come out in the community. You know, they could have just sat back and said, well, whatever's going to happen, it. It's going to happen anyway. We're not going to do anything about it. But that's not the case. Uh, the principal, uh, Shane Griffith, who is the former Scott football coach, uh, you know, kind of pulled the parents together. And then that just that gets the grandparents and the alumni of the school and the community involved. And they started having meetings avail- immediately to come up with a game plan. And, and, you know, they're going behind the board of education when they're coming out with figures. We need to close this school because of this issue or that issue. They had numbers to counter everything, the Boone County Board of Education, and for the time being, they backed off. So we'll just have to wait and see what the future holds there. Just interesting, interesting night, though. Also, you know, we heard about a private school closing. So it's not just public schools that are feeling the crunch. And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, private schools are businesses. I mean, they have to have people in the seats to pay the bills to function they don't get state funding for you know to operate so you know they're in different situations as well but um you know coach marone you you were you're a ck grad ck was closed 20 years ago um now was the final uh the final season now there was one more. So it's been about about 20 years, though, mm-hmm. since uh, Cerrito Canova High School closed. Uh, Bo Anderson, a resident referee, who will join us a little bit later on. He's a Vincent grad, part of that uh, consolidation to Spring Valley. You know, Randy Payton, a friend of the program, was a Buffalo grad. <laughs> uh, they got absorbed into that. Yet you all still get along. Uh, 
But, and, uh, and, and the Wayne coach, grads right in the middle. The, yeah, the Wayne grads that's here. In the just, middle of the three rings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I just sit back and enjoy the circus. <laughs> there you go. But, but you, and you coach at Tulsa, which is a consolidation now that's about 20 years old, 30 years old now, excuse me, wild time gets away. It's about 30 years old of Fort Gay and Crum. And those communities, you know, not – I mean, the Tulsa Highway linked them together finally, but – same time it's difficult just to get kids to practice and to and from their home sometimes yeah i tell you it's been a trend over the last several decades as you mentioned over 20 to 30 years and a lot of those schools have disappeared for various reasons but i think it's unique you mentioned earlier uh, you really don't hear as much about private schools uh doing what has happened here that's why i think it's caught everybody off guard and you would think that with the economy and the ups and downs that it would be something that would happen more often. But I think they have such a strong base, and through their alumni and through the, the tradition and the heritage of these schools, there's a solid financial foundation because they can ride out most of these, but n- not in this case. And we don't know all the details. We don't claim to, whether it is just a financial uh, reason or whatever. Normally that's where it lies, but it's really surprising that you don't see it more often. It really is, and with the the backing of the Catholic Church as well in this particular instance, uh, you know, a lot of people say they've got deep pockets, but like you said, obviously there's some reasons that we're unaware of at this point why they're looking to close that school or why they are closing it. You can even think back, I remember Bishop Donahue, it went by that name. It's the same school. I mean, they dropped the McMeckin, that's where they're from, but uh, it has been there forever, and to think that it's just going to be gone and an email was sent out. Uh, and some of the athletic programs have come through there has been <laughs> oh outstanding. My goodness. As Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story I think will be interesting. Yeah, definitely looking forward to just, you know, as that continues to go out, to, to find out and to learn more uh, about that. Now, the, the diocese says that Bishop Donahue students will receive financial stipends for a transition uh, should they end up having to go to a, you know, in this case, should they end up going to private schools? But Bishop Donahue uh, was founded in 1955. The bishops, one of the unique names, the Bishop Donahue bishops. And uh, again, this will be their final year before they close it down. When we come back for hour two, we will have a scoreboard update. Get you much more on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. A special thanks tonight to all of our affiliates. You can listen to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on radio stations throughout the Mountain State, including Talk 92.5 WTHMLP Ravenswood, Ripley, 94 Rock WRLF Fairmont, Power 92 Radio, 92.3 FM WYRCLP in Spencer, 104.5 FM WASPLP in Huntington, 97.9 FM WSPWLP Parkersburg, 104. 101.1 FM WVWPLP Wayne Knights Radio 91.5 FM WRSG Middleburn Talk Radio WRNR Martinsburg 740 AM 106.7 FM WHFI Linside 95 The Sports Fox WBES Charleston 950 AM 101.9 FM and 1290 AM WVOW in Logan 
Light Rock 93R WRRR St. Mary's 93.9 FM 90.7 FM WFGH Fort Gay Our newest affiliate WMTD The Ticket 102.3 Hinton 98.5 FM and 101.5 FM WQAZLP Edmund Beckley 101.7 FM WIATLP in Clay and Marshall University's flagship station, 88.1 FM WMUL in Huntington. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. High School Basketball's Voice in the Mountain State, Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Welcome back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. To join tonight's program, call 855-78-HOOPS. That's 855-784-6677. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup for all the scores all the time. And visit BasketballNight.com for a comprehensive look at schedules and standings for every team in the state. Stay tuned. Another hour of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia begins right now. It's the fastest three hours in radio, and it's 10 o'clock here on this Basketball Friday night in West Virginia. Ryan Epling, Rick Marone, and Joe Linville with you as we cover high school basketball throughout the state of West Virginia. We're with you till midnight. Coach Marone will jump off here at uh, 11 because he has to get a good night's sleep before heading to St. Mary's tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Coach, I, I, I could give you a rough time on that, but I'm, I'm not going to. Not well, you, today. You, you browbeat the 50 thing, and me and Joe's eyes lit up, and it's like, Hmm, I remember 50. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do too. I've heard about it, but uh, I've still got about It's six, an experience. Just uh, <laughs> it's about 16 years ago, so 16 and a half. Rub it in. 16 and a half. <laughs> that half's important still. Yes. But uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll go back to the phone lines in a few moments. Uh, we'll have our standout athlete. We'll introduce you to her in a moment as well. But first, let's get a check of our basketballnight.com scoreboard. Looking for scores? Look no more. It's BasketballNight.com. Scoreboard update. One-stop shopping for all your high school basketball scores. Let's take a look at the girls' side tonight. The Hometown Invitational Tournament. The Summers County Bobcats, 92. Tigers Valley, 51. Princeton, 45. Hampshire, 42. Bullet East Kentucky, 73. St. Joe, 61. Petersburg knocks off the Yellow Jackets of Moorfield. The Vikings, 61. Moorfield, 39. Wheeling Central, low-scoring game, but still a win for the Maroon Knights, 35-17 over Charleston Catholic. Trinity defeats Madonna, 45-32. Gilmer County back on track for the Lady Titans after falling to Summers County this past week. They knock off Braxton County, 67-32. Bridgeport, 62. Phillip Barber, 44. Buchanan Upshur, the Lady Buccaneers, 63-37 winners over R.C. Bird. The East Fairmont Bees of James Beckman get a big win tonight over Elkins. The Bees sting Elkins 54-45. Fairmont Senior, a big matchup of top 10 teams in AA. Fairmont Senior 57, Lincoln 52. Huntington High 76, Riverside 46. North Marion, the Lady Huskies, big win over the Mountaineers of Liberty Harrison 97-29. University in Morgantown. Mohawk Bowl, girls style tonight. And Morgantown, a... Free throw from Lydia Adrian with no time left. The Mohegans get a 43-42 over their victory over their crosstown rivals. Willing Park falls to Park South, 
Parkersburg South 62, Willing Park 56, Preston 74, Grafton 37, South Charleston 56, Ripley 29, Winfield with a big Cardinal Conference win over Polka. Top 10 matchup there, Winfield 75, Polka 49. Ritchie County 62, Work County 48. And, Joe, you got to look at the first half of the boys' scoreboard. In the Hatfield-McCoy shootout tonight, it was the Tulsa Rebels over Wesley Christian of Kentucky, 66-63. It was Fayetteville picking up another win over James Monroe tonight, 63-48. Frankfurt with a win over MVCA. That score was 57-51. The Blue Eagles of Magnolia picked up a win tonight, 57-53 over Payton City. Tiger Valley, the Bulldogs, fell to St. Mary's, 87-64. Also in the Hatfield-McCoy shootout, big win tonight for Steve McComas' program. The Scott Skyhawks defeat Sheldon Clark of Kentucky, 75-73. It was Winfield over Wayne, 76-50. Weir picked up a win over Brook, 50-47. It was the Woodrow Wilson Flying Eagles over the Greenbrier East Spartans, 58-49. It was Willing, Willing Catholic over Charleston Catholic, 69-63. The Seabees of Clay Battelle fell to the Buffalo Bisons tonight, 61-53. And George Washington picked up a win over Spring Valley, 84-54. Also tonight, boys high school basketball action. Keep going, guys. We've got more scores to go here. Chapmanville Regional. For the first time in 60 years, the Tigers defeat Logan tonight by a score of 67-60. to In a big matchup in the Eastern Panhandle, Musselman defeats Martinsburg on the road 49-46. The Appleman get the win over the Bulldogs. It was Midland Trail 70, Sherman 53. Mount View defeats Summers County 77 54. Ravenswood goes on the road and survives in the castle at Point Pleasant. Red Devils get the road win 49-47. Princeton, a home win tonight over Hampshire, 50-47. Long trip home for the Trojans, who are now 0-12. It was Roan County defeating Clay County, 73-44. East Hardy over South Harrison, 60-43. Southern Garrett, Maryland defeats Kaiser tonight, 59-57. It was Hedgesville over Spring Mills, 57-32. Belfry, Ohio defeats Wahama, final score of 57-50. Lewis County beats Wheeling Park, 62-54. Minutemen get the victory. And one final score tonight, it was Wyoming East Warriors defeating Pikeview in overtime, 69-56, a 15-2 overtime scoring outburst for the Warriors as Wyoming East gets the win. That's your look at your basketballnight.com scoreboard update. Now this week's standout athlete of the week is uh, a special story. She's a student athlete at Charleston Catholic High School and she's someone who has overcome quite a bit. We'll get to her in a moment. Dylan Stone joins us now though and Dylan Vita Amani getting to 1,000 points last week and while that's a special number for everyone, it's a little bit more for her. Yeah, it really was. It's she. She was a, a player that, uh, I mean, as, as you'll hear, she's had more than her share of difficulties over the past uh, year and a half. But uh, she's she was actually diagnosed with Graves' disease, and uh, it's been quite a battle for her trying to find the right combination of medication, the right uh, treatment plan to try to to get that uh, squared away. But she's finally back to uh, to the place 
where she was as a freshman. She nearly scored 500 points as a freshman and now finally as a senior getting to cross that 1,000 point threshold. So a long road for her, but a, a good good ending to that road. And, and Graves' disease, for those unfamiliar, is basically the treatment for it requires radiation therapy to your thyroid to more or less destroy your thyroid. Yeah, in, in extreme cases uh, such as, as her, as originally they had tried to just treat the treat the uh, hyperthyroidism and, and get it get the thyroid to uh, to try to counterbalance that, but it, it ended up not being successful in the long run. And so, uh, yeah, she did have to have the thyroid radiated out, and now she'll uh, for the rest of her life she'll be taking uh, the, really the opposite of that kind of medication to give her uh, the, the the things that you would normally get from the thyroid, which she doesn't have, but uh, as I said, now they finally think that they've got it back to the right balance to where she's uh, back to more or less uh, living a normal life. Yeah, this is a kid who went for a while where she was only getting, you know, she's getting less than an hour of sleep a night. Yeah, it, it was it was messing with uh, not only caused her to gain, or excuse me, caused her to lose nearly 40 pounds, and it was messing with her concentration, her sleep cycles. Uh, her mom uh, told me that, yeah, there were uh, most nights she wouldn't be able to get to sleep till after 5 o'clock in the morning, and then having to you know wake up to go to school so yeah there'd be a lot of nights where 40 45 minutes of sleep was normal but still a standout athlete uh helped him get to the state basketball tournament as a freshman and a sophomore uh really didn't get to play much last year she was battling this but she's kind of she's kept through kept going and i think that's something that's uh kind of inspirational too and not only on the basketball court but also on the soccer pitch as well yeah she's the uh the goalie for the uh, charleston catholic soccer team and uh, they're a regular um the, the irish are regulars in the the state tournament for soccer as well so that was something that that's actually one of the ways that she was able to work herself back to this basketball season was being able to, to do the conditioning for soccer and play throughout the entire soccer season in the uh in the summer in the late summer and fall so uh, soccer's been a big part of being able to get back to where she's at now on the basketball court averaging 18 points eight rebounds per game now and and doing a lot better and dylan now will have more with vita amani Scoring 1,000 points in a high school career is an achievement well worth celebrating. But for Charleston Catholic senior Vita Amani, just being able to be on the court again is the biggest accomplishment. Vita was nearly halfway to 1,000 points by the end of her freshman season, and it was only a matter of when, not if, she would reach the milestone. But in the spring of 2015, the weight loss and lack of energy started. Then in July of that year came the diagnosis of Graves' disease, which meant that her thyroid was overactive. As Vita's mother, Terry Moore, describes, Vita's symptoms were widespread and, for a teenage student-athlete, debilitating. Her thyroid gland was putting out too much thyroid hormone, which gave her symptoms of weight loss, inability to sleep, inability to concentrate. She's very weak and tired. Her heart rate was extremely high. Her resting heart rate sometimes would be up at 180s when she's just doing nothing but laying in bed. Despite the hyperthyroidism that plagued Vita, she never once thought of quitting on her teammates or on the sports that she loves. In fact, her mother says that when Vita was told that she couldn't run and get back in shape with the soccer team before the 2015 season, she was distressed and worried that the other players would think it wasn't fair. When she was told she couldn't condition with the soccer team, she was very upset because everyone else had to condition and run, and it wasn't fair. She didn't have to, and they did. She thought that her teammates would be upset with her because she didn't have to run. The medication Vita was originally given worked for a while, but as basketball season approached in 2015, it had become ineffective. And as her coach Zach Bogan says, the differences between how she had to play as a junior and how she's able to play now as a senior are very apparent. She played last year in the sense of she was there, but 
she was very limited in what she could do. We tried to get creative with her minutes so that we could have her in the game longer, but it was just a scenario where she would go, and then once she would get tired, that was it, and she had no control over it, and she never used it as an excuse, never complained. She just tried to fight through it. Then this year, it's like she's back to being a completely different person. From the first day of practice, she looked like the old Vita that we knew, and once she was healthy again, she was back to the player we were used to seeing. When asked to describe the traits that have allowed Vita to come back from thinking that she may never again be able to fully perform athletically, to now being one of the focal points on the team, her coach points to her toughness, both mental and physical. It shows how strong she is. It shows how mentally tough she is, because last year it was not easy for her. It was a situation where she couldn't control it. She wanted to be able to play and to contribute more. Her body just simply would not let her. And she's done a great job this year just coming in, and she hasn't tried to do too much. Her mother, meanwhile, credits Vita's fortitude and the reassurance of friends and family. She's just a very determined individual. This is what she wanted to do. This is what she loved doing, and she didn't give it up. She was very worried and upset that maybe she would never be able to play basketball again or play any sport again. She'd always be ill with something that she couldn't help do anything about. We did encourage her and told her that she would be better just to hang in there, and she did. She was very determined about getting back to the level that she was at, to play as hard as she could, and to achieve the goals that she set for herself. Vita has used her diagnosis and the tribulations of the past year and a half to channel her leadership skills. And as Coach Bogan says, when Vita speaks, the team takes notice. She's really taken that role on, and Vita is naturally kind of quiet. So when she does speak, everybody kind of listens. She leads by example. She's always working hard. She's always playing hard on the court. But more so this year, she stepped up, and she's more of a vocal leader. She talks to her teammates more, particularly because we have a young team. She's always trying to help them out, help the younger players out. But this year, you can really see when Vita says something to the team, everyone kind of stops to listen. Even throughout her illness and uncertain athletic future, Vita was always willing to help others. And as her mother says, specifically children. She spent a week in Clay County helping rebuild houses, and the school does that every year. So she did that last summer as a junior, and she plans on doing that again this coming summer as a senior. She's worked in summer camps for younger children. She's worked at basketball camps with younger kids. She likes working with kids. She's very good with younger children. She's just very sensitive and very caring. Now with her Graves' disease diagnosis behind her and an effective new course of treatment underway, Vita Amani has a new purpose for her post-high school life. She wants to go into the field of endocrinology so she may help those who face a similar battle as she has had for nearly two years. And to top it all off, she's back to doing what she loves and what was once a foregone conclusion joining the 1,000-point club has finally come to pass. For Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, I'm Special Correspondent Dylan Stone. Thank you very much, Dylan. That's an inspirational story for anyone out there who's going through a rough patch, be it you know, health or, or whatever, stick with it. It can get better. It absolutely can. Vito Amani, our sound athlete of the week. We'll have more with her in a moment. We'll also talk with Wes McKinney, WAEY Radio in Princeton. The Tigers getting a victory tonight over a non-traditional opponent who ventured down into Mercer County. We'll talk about that when Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia continues here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network.
scores online. All of them in West Virginia. Visit basketballnight.com. You can't catch basketball Friday night in West Virginia live from 9 to midnight. Well, you can get all three hours of the show downloaded straight to your phone, computer, or other device. Yes, we're Apple iTunes store approved, even with our host nicknamed Big Daddy, Brian Edwin. So now you can listen to West Virginia's only live high school basketball radio show on your schedule. You can find us by searching Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia in the iTunes store. Subscribe is real simple and completely free. Podcasts are also available directly on our website below the YouTube video player for each show. Thank you for your continued support of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. And as always, we appreciate your feedback on this and any feature on BasketballNight.com. Let us know what you'd like to see. Because Marcus Constantino never has enough to do around here. Hey, we want you to become part of the show and become part of the Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia family. Follow us on Twitter. We'll make sure to mention your name tonight at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. Tweet us your team scores and give us your comments on the game at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. And a shout-out to our newest followers tonight. Gary Sutphin, Cole, David J. Jones, Abigail Irwin, Ball One in Line, Donnie McCourt, and Logan Cooper. Stay up to date on your favorite teams. Check out BasketballNight.com. Now, back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia with Coach Rick Marone and Ryan Epling. 10-17 on this Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Ryan Epling, Rick Marone, Joe Linville. Happy to have you along as we navigate through another Friday night of high school basketball in the Mountain State. We'll go to work cook in a moment, but first... Back to the phone lines and Wes McKinney, WAEY Radio in Princeton. And Wes, the Tigers tonight getting a victory over Hampshire. And um, again, that's the uh, not a traditional opponent for Princeton, but a home victory over uh, the visiting Trojans tonight, 50 to 47. Yeah, guys, a couple of housekeeping items before we dive into what Princeton was able to do tonight. The most important thing I've probably done all week was meet Bo Anderson tonight. Bo Anderson <laughs> came tonight. Was he right. fair? The, the absolute, the, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but I was able to meet him, so, you know, it was kind of cool to put the face with the uh, voice, and, you know, he said the same thing. Um, but, um, and then also a doubleheader tonight for Princeton and Hampshire, and we actually had both games. Um, on our station, WAUY, down here in Mercer County. And, God, I'll tell you what, two really good games uh, broke out at Princeton Senior High School tonight. Princeton girls were up 31-17 um, early part of the third quarter after Hampshire started out just shooting ice cold um, for about the first 10-11 uh, minutes of the game. Um, but then Hampshire mounts this huge comeback. They actually have the lead down the uh, stretch of the fourth quarter. Princeton makes a couple plays. Hampshire with a chance to tie it at 
Misty with about five seconds left to go, and Princeton Center um, comes comes out of nowhere and swats a potential uh, game time three pointer. Day Day Eves uh, swats the game winning three or potential game time, I should say, uh, three pointer, and Princeton hangs on for a three point win in the girls game over Hampshire. And I tell you what, I wasn't aware that Hampshire was so good on the girls side this year. That was a nine and three ball club coming into tonight that Princeton was playing, and all of a sudden here, I know we don't talk much about the girls when I call in, but the Princeton girls, they've kind of turned a little bit of a corner here. They lost four in a row earlier in the season. They were 7-6 and six coming in uh, to tonight. They get to 8-6. and six. They took Greenbrier East on Tuesday night down to the wire, so uh, the, the Princeton Tigerettes really starting to find their groove uh, here as we get ready for February, but then the boys game Turned into a almost uh, – actually, guys, I got the scores backwards. Princeton girls won 45-42. Princeton boys won 50-47. It's been one of those weeks. Um, but uh, Princeton boys, they uh, come out and they start a little sluggishly. They only um, scored 17 points in the first two quarters combined. They use a 17-point third quarter to climb back in the game. They took a one-point lead into the fourth quarter, back and forth um, over the uh, final quarter. Princeton was actually down by two with about a minute and a half left to go. They were down 46-44 to 44 in the outscore, Hampshire 50 or 6-1 uh, or, uh, um, in that stretch to win it by a score of 50-47. to 47. A lot of uh, good basketball there. Tonight. And, you know, it's interesting that you, you just mentioned – the Princeton girls basketball team, because I, when, when you were on hold, I was saying, I, you know, I've got a little story here that I could, I could tell Wes real fast uh, that, that ties into to Princeton girls basketball. I've got two of them, actually. One, uh, it wasn't that long ago with Hannah Prince-Avardi and uh, Mackenzie Akers that I, I think uh, Princeton had one of the best backcourts in the entire state. And I don't know that a lot of people really knew that until after the fact, but... Um, they they did. They were very good. You couldn't press them whatsoever. And uh, Mackenzie Akers hit a big three right the uh, the last minute uh, Saturday to help the Marshall women get a victory over UAB. So Princeton grad doing good. And and guys, it's it's a it's a really small world. Um, I actually I actually work with Mackenzie's sister Tesla, who played at Princeton back in the day, and she went on to play Division Three Tusculum. I actually work. With Tesla, Mackenzie's sister at Concord, so I hear all about what Mackenzie's doing all the time. <laughs> out there. So I didn't have to tell you about that three from the corner with a minute left. You already know it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, basketball! Basketball is a small world, no matter how the uh, diverse the geography is in the state of West Virginia. Hey, Wes, always a pleasure. Uh, two good ball games for you tonight. Hopefully, you get some more good ball games to call along the way as well. Yeah, we got uh, we got Princeton boys. Three really, really tough games next week. You know, we talked about uh, you know Graham and Pike doing and, and, and Hampshire this this past week for Princeton. Next week they go uh, they go um, to Wyman East. Got that big win in overtime tonight over Pikeview, who was on fire. Uh, then they host Westside next Friday night, and then they hit Musselman who we know all about what they're trying to do this season. So a really tough week for Princeton. Uh, and then just a preview um, for the next week, the uh, final the final week of January going into February, uh, Princeton's going to play Graham 
um, on Tuesday the 31st. Then um, we were told of the Big Atlantic matchup for Princeton um, at the beginning of February. On Friday, February 3rd, the Tigers are going to play uh, Woodrow Wilson at 9 p.m. Um, on Friday night the 3rd. And then on the 4th, um, if they if they win, they would play at nine o'clock again on Saturday. If they lose to Woodrow, they would play at ten forty in the morning. And on, and on the other side of the bracket, it's just University Ripley. It's not you know nothing, nothing <laughs> too tall there for Princeton. <laughs> now University's not not done anything this year or anything. No, <laughs> no, no. They're you know they're only like maybe the best team in AAA this year. Yeah, eleven and zero. But you know other than that, no big deal. <laughs> hey, well, it's always a pleasure. Have a good weekend, buddy. Yep, you guys take care. All right, that's Wes McKinney, W-A-E-Y Radio in Princeton. Tiger boys get a win. Tigerette girls get a win, both over Hampshire. Of course, at Hampshire in tonight, Coach Marone, we've got Musselman coming in next week. The Eastern Panhandle schools have found Princeton. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, that's a pretty healthy trick there. But I was I, say, it's, there's no shortcut. To <laughs> no, get but to. it's really good to see uh, these uh, cross-region uh, uh, matchups. It really uh, is interesting to watch that develop. Let's go back to the radio. Work Cook Seven Ranges Radio W R R R in uh, Middleburn W X C R Radio. Uh, Work Cook joins us now on the program and. Wirt, you're wanting to talk Tyler Consolidated with us tonight. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Seven Rangers Radio is actually the same area. We do, we, uh, 92.3 is a station that covers Tyler Consolidated, and that's the uh, the school that I do play-by-play for. Mostly the boys, uh, we, we, we carry a couple of girls' games. But, yeah, the Silver Knights, I mean, they're, they're a, a, a school that, ha- that doesn't have a, a really stellar basketball uh, pedigree, but... You know, watching these guys for the last two years, and, and Coach Bob Jones in his second year, um, it, it's it's been something to see the strides that they've made. They they won just a handful of games last year. They're only five and nine this year, um, but scores like you guys know, so, and and a lot of basketball guys and 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 girls as well. You know, they scores final scores don't always tell the whole story, and with this uh, talk consolidated boys team. I mean, they they, uh, they lost uh, to Magnolia earlier in the year and got revenge. And what uh, uh, last week in their in their invitational tournament when they beat Magnolia sixty one fifty two, and Coach Jones told me that that was the first time that Tyler had beaten Magnolia in boys basketball in something like thirteen or fourteen years. And and he said it was also almost one of the situations where they were just trying to beat the name on the front of the jersey instead of looking at the guys who were actually in the jerseys. And because if you look at it, I mean, you know, Magnolia is very well coached and they have some nice players. But in my opinion, just being because I because, you know, I'm not from Tyler, I'm not from St. Mary's. So I'm just looking at this as just as an outsider. I mean, Tyler's got a, got the better basketball team. This is a team that's very undersized. If they go up against any team with any size that's physical, uh, they're going to lose most nights. But there's not a lot. And especially if you look at the section they're in with St. Mary's and Ritchie County and Payton City and Magnolia, not a lot of size there. And, and, and they, they, Tyler plays one guy uh, that's over six foot one. But this team, I mean, we had their game last night against Williamstown, and they were down 13 going into the fourth quarter. And so many games this year that they've lost, they have just been blown out in the second half and mostly four quarters. Down 13 going into the fourth quarter and, and had and had the ball game tied with two minutes left and uh, lost out by some three free throws going down the stretch. But 
they're, they're led by a couple of seniors and Jace Reed and Tyler Anderson who um, they, they lost a, a three or four guys. This is a team that early in the season was trying to go 10 deep, and it was good to have that depth. But uh, they lost a couple of kids that, that, that uh, stepped away from the team, and now they play seven guys. But I think it's helped them because it forces Coach Jones to leave those better players on the floor. And, and the, only, the only negative there is they play such physical, borderline reckless defense that if they get in any foul trouble, they're, they're, they're done. Because, they, like I said, they just don't have any depth. But if they can stay out of foul trouble, this is a team that can play with a lot of guys because they've really only been blown out one time, and that was against Ravenswood. And who hasn't been blown out by Ravenswood this year? But it's, it's, it's really been something to see these guys evolve from game one to where they are now. And like I said, still five and nine. But this is a team that absolutely can challenge uh, St. Mary's in, in, in the sectional tournament because they only lost to St. Mary's by seven, and that was a game that uh, a lot of St. Mary's people will tell you that Tyler outplayed them. Work Cook of Seven Ranges Radio and the voice of the Tyler Consolidated Silver Knights. Of course, Tyler Consolidated, as he mentioned, coming off of last night, a four-point loss at home to Williamstown. They've got games coming up on Monday against Lindsley Academy and yeah. then again uh, next Saturday, a home game with the Blue Dons of Madonna Wirt. Thanks for joining us. Sorry we didn't have a little bit more time to catch up tonight. That's all right. Thanks, guys. You do a great job. I appreciate it. It's Wirt Cook again of Seven Ranges Radio. We've got to step aside take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Morgantown girls coach Jason White. We'll also talk with Dave Morrison of 102.3 The Ticket ESPN Radio. Uh, he had the James Monroe Fayetteville boys game tonight. Of course, Jason White, the Morgantown girls coach, they had a spectacular game and a rivalry game. That's all when Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia continues on the Fast Breaks Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Streaming video live from the studios at Marshall University. Visit BasketballNight.com for video, audio, and the Basketball Friday Night scoreboard. If you love basketball, then there's only one place to be on Friday nights. After the game, it's Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. How about a chance to graduate from college, not only with a diploma, but also prepared to thrive in an exciting, growing field? The Marshall University Sports Journalism Program might be just for you. The expansion of cable networks, the rise of sports-centered online platforms, and the continued thirst for local sports coverage makes sports journalism a growth industry with jobs waiting for those who earn this degree. Your passion, curiosity, and charisma, coupled with Marshall University Sports Journalism Training, will equip you for success in a multi-billion dollar global industry. So bring your abilities and the desire to be the ears, eyes, and life of the game to our Huntington campus to learn the art of sports storytelling while covering the thundering herd. We will teach you how to go beyond the scores and statistics to tell compelling stories and accurately report breaking news across multiple media platforms. Marshall University's W. Page Pitt School of Journalism and Mass Communications is ready and eager to help you start your sports journalism career. Learn more about the exciting possibilities by visiting marshall.edu slash 
S-O-J-M-C. For scores online, all of them in West Virginia, visit basketballnight.com. Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, Coach Rick Marone and Ryan Epling. 1031 on this Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. If I don't just run right into the microphone there as we start this segment, Ryan Epling, Rick Marone, and Joe Limbaugh with you. We'll get you a scoreboard update in our next segment. Of course, you can go to basketballnight.com, go to at hoops underscore roundup. Uh, on Twitter for all of that. We've got a lot of people on the phones. We've got to try to get to all these guys here. You're going to hear from Dave Morrison of ESPN Radio The Ticket. You're going to hear from Jason White, head coach of the Morgantown Mohegans girls basketball team. T.G. Griffith in Clay County. Chris Kidd, Chapmanville Regional. Um, WVOW Radio. Bo Anderson. You'll hear from all those guys. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll do that in a moment. But first, it's time for our standout athlete of the week. Our Santa Athlete of the Week this week is a senior at Charleston Catholic High School who has overcome a lot off the court and off the soccer pitch to have a successful uh, run so far. Her senior season crossed the 1,000-point mark last week. Vita Amini joins us on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. And Vita, first off, congratulations on being our Standout Athlete of the Week. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us here tonight and uh, beat over a thousand points. And I know uh, we talked about it uh, earlier in the hour. You, you overcame Graves' disease to do this. And this has been something that you've had to fight throughout uh, a significant portion of your high school career. How's it feel to be back? Oh, the feeling is indescribable. I mean, it was terrible seeing everyone being able to do everything that I couldn't last year. So being back out with my friends on the court and the field is amazing. All right, so help me out here. You have four siblings, right? Correct. All right, and you are one of a set of triplets. That is correct. All right, so (laughs) having that close-knit family and close-knit from your siblings as well, how did how did they help you get through what was, I'm sure, a very difficult and trying time? Oh, well, um, it was more academically. We would challenge each other because I was falling behind in school because of my condition. And so I would try to match their grades. And at the same time, they would try to beat me. So we both, we both pushed each other in, in school. Well, you've also done very well in school, and, and that, that despite the... Uh, you know, a, a disease that, quite frankly, was not allowing you to sleep normally, and, and overcoming that, and it just it's just very difficult to imagine. But um, something that I thought that was interesting that that we learned about is that while this set you back a little bit, it may have also pushed you toward your career path. Oh, it did. Um, I've always my parents have always um, they've directed us to the medical career path but I've never really actually considered it until I had this condition and then when I was when I was going to the doctor a lot I was seeing all these things and I was like well I want to do this too I want to be able to help people and maybe even 
be an endocrinologist and help people go through what I went through. So that changed my perspective on that. Vita, this is Joe Linville. Just how frustrating is it? You know, you've got a health issue. Uh, you're doing everything you can to battle it. But deep inside, you want to be in school. You want to be on that basketball court. How frustrating is that for a teenager? Oh, well, not many people go through that. So it was very difficult because I couldn't really talk to anyone about it that would understand, that would understand like, the exact same feeling that I was going through. But my friends and family really supported me through that, and they helped me a lot. Vita Amini, our standout athlete of the week from Charleston Catholic High School. Let's talk a little bit of basketball now. Instead of some, let's talk about the, the, the fun times. Uh, I know tonight was a difficult game against Wheeling Central, who's very good. But uh, your season, you guys uh, had a little bit of a slow start uh, in a loss at Wayne, but then kind of picked up some steam. And uh, just getting back to uh, normal on the basketball floor, how's that been for you? Oh, it's been really great. We've had some tough games the, the past few, uh, past week, but we've really gave it our all, and we've come up short a few times, but we're, we're still trying, and we're getting better as the season goes. Vita Amini, our standout athlete of the week, we thank you so much for joining us. We wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thank you. All right, and before we get back to the phones, guys, let's take a moment to talk about that. I mean... That, that, that's a serious problem that um, not many people can relate to. Um, she's getting 30 to 40 minutes of sleep a night, still going to high school. Charleston Catholic, very good academic high school as well. 3.5 GPA, which I'll tell you, that's, that's legit. That's pretty good. That's good. <laughs> yep. um, and, and doing so, and also such a standout soccer player, goalie on the soccer team, two-time state champion, she has still put together an ultra-impressive high school resume despite that. Yeah, I tell you, I, I can remember when she was a freshman and coming up through, and then you talked about during the piece and then uh, the package that we had earlier uh, with 500 points appeared to be well on her way. She was a pretty dominant player in the Class A ranks, but then to go through what she has and, like you said, to put together the, the capper on a really nice career – Really tells a lot about her as a person, as you could hear in her uh, interview. Just really has a nice handle on uh, what she's been through. And Joe, she hit it on the head. Who do you relate to? That's a teenager. You asked the question. Right. A teenager. There really was nobody, so she had to really kind of go through that uh, on her own. But if there's a positive side of this story, I'm really uh, inspired by what she said. How her family, her siblings, uh, being a, a triplet and so forth how they rallied around her and, and pushed her to get through, you know, keep up her schoolwork and so forth. So outstanding family, obviously. She's also the only girl in that, oh, no. in that group. <laughs> I feel uh, sorry so for I, it. So, <laughs> actually, you know what? I think in many ways she's going to end up being the leader of that group. That's, <laughs> that tends to be how that works. So uh, congratulations again to Vita Me. I'll tell you what, great ball game tonight in Morgantown. The Mohegans, three-time defending girl state champions, Get the win over Crosstown Rival University, 43-42 on a free throw by Lydia Adrian with no time remaining. Jason White is the head coach of the Mohegans. He joins us on the program now. And Coach White, a free throw, a walk-off free throw to win it, that's an interesting way to win a ball game. Yeah, it's the first time that's happened in my career. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, as a coach, you kind of hope that's the last time it has to happen. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, help me out here because I, I don't. I, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I don't have all the details. That's the way you want to walk off, I guess. Uh, just a, a, a really a classic ball game. You, you tip, tip my cap to University High and, and Coach Price and how hard his kids played tonight. Um, jumped out on us early. Uh, we were in a hole uh, most of the game, down 10 at, at one point, and uh, I believe we were down 10 even at the half. And, and the, credit to our kids, they, they, they stayed with it. They stayed the course. They, they, you know, they didn't panic and uh, got us back in the game in the, with, with our defense in the third quarter and, and really – took a 10-point lead and, and held University to no field goals in the third quarter. Uh, they did score two foul shots uh, at the end of the quarter there. So uh, we, I think we went on 13th run in third to get back in the game and, and actually you know forge ahead a little bit. And It was kind of a seesaw game there in the fourth quarter and kind of looked a little bleak at, at one point with about three and a half minutes. University had taken a, a, a six-point lead, but you know again, a credit to our kids. Uh, forced a couple turnovers, got a couple easy ones on, in, in transition, and uh, there, there it was under a minute and uh, tie game and and you know university was in the zone so we did, we elected to uh, run the clock down and take the last shot and took a timeout with about nine seconds left and uh, we drew up a play uh, uh, got Adrian free a little bit and and she got a good run at the rim and uh, you know university did what they had to do they converged pretty hard and you know and fortunately for us we we, we got the foul call and she was able to go to the line and and uh, knock down that first one. Of course, how nervous would you have been if she'd have missed the first and needed a second? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I had to calm her down a little bit. But, uh, unfortunately, at that point, I used my last one with nine seconds. Left, so I'm yelling to her, routine, routine, do the routine. We, we shoot them every day in practice. We shoot a ton of them. So, uh, you know, I wanted her to get her mind off of it. And, and, and you know, just a reminder, she shot thousands of those in her life. And, you put that foot on the nail and do your routine, the same routine you do every day. Maybe you could go over and give Coach Huggins some uh, tips on uh, free throw shooting. Well, I, that wasn't <laughs> my advice. We were 10 for 17. We just <laughs> one in the second half, but we were sure ugly from the line in the first half. Well, Coach, your ball club's 9-4, and four, and uh, with the success that, that you've, you've had during the, your three-year run as state champions, I think it, you know, that, that almost seems – uh, a, a little bit different for you because you've normally been able to um, start a little bit faster than what you had this year. Now, I guess what I'm getting to here is I don't know if a lot of people realize just how talented those Morgantown teams were. I knew they were good, but Olivia Seggy played at WVU a year before choosing to step away. Paige Poffenberger is playing at the University of Kentucky right now as a walk-on and, 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 and contributing to the ball club. You've had a lot to replace the last couple of years, and it's been a little bit of a bumpy road this year, but it seemed to be starting maybe to get your footing. Yeah, you know, we, we come out of the gates and we get smacked twice and uh, against two of the best teams in the state. I mean, Wyoming East and Fairmont Senior give them a lot of credit. They uh, had a great game plan, and they, they both really uh, just put put good beatings on us early. And um, My message to our kids was, you know, it's it's uh, you know it's December and, and and we want to be playing our best basketball in, in February and March. Um, the season's a marathon, not a sprint. 
Uh, we want to just keep coming in every day and working and, and getting better, not looking past the next game. And and the kids have started to click and gel a little bit. But you're right. I mean, replacing four seniors, all of which are contributing at the college level to their college basketball teams. Uh, you mentioned Paige Pofferberger at uh, Kentucky, and then you've got Sydney Holloway at Bryant University. They're playing at in Pittsburgh tomorrow against Robert Moore, so we'll get a chance to go up and, and catch Sid in action. And then, um, you know, we've got Shelby Boyle down in Transylvania, Division Three school in Lexington, who is uh, getting significant minutes and was actually uh, all-tournament team in their holiday tournament down there. And, and Rachel Escoti just down the road here at Fairmont is, uh, you know, coming off the bench and, and, and getting minutes for Fairmont. So all four of those kids were pretty good, uh, not – just pretty good seniors in high school, but to be contributing as freshmen, uh, that was a lot to replace. These kids, I, these seniors right now, they're, they're gelling. We're coming together. Uh, we're getting better each and every night. And uh, we had a little bit of an off-shooting night tonight against the zone. And, again, you, you tip your cap to university. But uh, I kind of like, I like this ball club. And, like I said, we're trending in the right direction at the right time. Four straight wins for the Morgantown Mohegans, four in a row for Coach Jason White and his girls basketball club congratulations on that great win tonight i'm sure that'll be a memorable one for for many especially for lydia adrian making that free throw and wish you guys the best of luck moving forward look we need to, we need to talk some more we need to do this again yeah i love it i love coming on you guys I, with you guys I, I love what you guys do for basketball in our state well we appreciate it so much that's jason white head coach of the morgantown mohegans should we do it guys should we do it? No, we're going to have to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk with Dave Morrison, T.G. Griffith, Chris Kidd, Sam Blizzard. They're all in the bullpen ready to go. We'll also have a scoreboard update when basketball Friday night in West Virginia continues here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Vida Amani, Charleston Catholic, Irish. She joins the growing list of standout athletes of the week. What they have in common, they were selected by Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia as the standout athlete of the week. You have someone remarkable on your team or an athlete that made an outstanding play, you can nominate your team's players to become the Basketball Friday Night Standout Athlete of the Week. Each week, we consider nominees based on leadership, performance on the court, academic performance, involvement in the community, and volunteer work. Every Friday night, we select a Standout Athlete of the Week. A big congratulations to Vita Amani tonight. Hey, what about those picks? Get your pictures featured on our video stream. And we want to thank Shannon Likens, RSN Sports, and Mike Stanley for helping put all that together here at Basketball Friday Night. You can get your pictures featured, too, on the video stream. If you're watching now on YouTube or RSN's Facebook page, what you do is get your pics on Twitter. You can either put them on the Basketball Friday night in West Virginia Twitter account at hoops underscore roundup, or you can send them to the RSN Sports Facebook account or their Twitter or Instagram accounts, and we'll select them and put them in our video stream just for you. If you love basketball, then there's only one place to be on Friday nights after the game, 
Basketball Friday night in West Virginia. It's right here. up-to-date on your favorite teams check out basketballnight.com now back to basketball friday night in west virginia with coach rick marone and ryan epling Tim 47 on this basketball friday night in west virginia so much to do so little time to do it let's jump right into a scoreboard update Looking for scores, look no more. It's basketballnight.com scoreboard update. On the boys' side tonight, the Tulsa Rebels, a big 66-63 win over Wesley Christian, part of the Hatfield-McCoy shootout. Fayetteville, 63, James Monroe, 48. The Frankfurt Falcons get a 57-51 win over MVCA. Payton City falls tonight. The Blue Eagles of Magnolia, 57. Payton City, 53. The Vikings of Petersburg, 63-43 winners over Berkeley Springs. Tigers Valley falls to the Blue Devils from St. Mary's. St. Mary's 87, Tigers Valley 64. Upset at the Hatfield-McCoy shootout. Scott Skyhawks 75-73 winners over Sheldon Clark, Kentucky. Winfield, the Generals 76 over the Wayne Pioneers 50. Weir 50, Brook 47. Woodrow Wilson, the Flying Eagles 58-49 winners over Greenbrier East. Wheeling Central gets a 69-63 victory over Charleston Catholic. And Clay Battelle falls tonight. Buffalo 61, Clay Battelle 53. And, Ryan, you got to look at the remainder, or excuse me, Joe, of the boys. It was the Patriots of George Washington. Big winners tonight over Spring Valley 84-54. It was Greater Beckley Christian over Liberty Raleigh 73-43. Lincoln County over the Man Hillbilly 76-54. It was the Chapmanville Tigers defeating the Logan Wildcats for the first time in 60 years. The Tigers come away at the win 67-60 at the Willie Acres Arena in Logan. It was Musselman over Martinsburg 49-46. Midland Trail defeated the Sherman Tide 70-53. It was the Mountain View Golden Knights big winners tonight over Summers County 77 77- 54. It was Ravenswood picking up another win as they defeated Point Pleasant 49-47. The Princeton Tigers picked up a win over the Hampshire Trojans 50-47. Roan County over Clay County 73-44. East Hardy defeated South Harrison 60-43. It was uh, Southern Garrett, Maryland over Kaiser. The Golden Tornadoes tonight, 59-57. Hedgesville defeated Spring Mills, 57-32. It was Steubenville Catholic over Madonna, 69-64. It was Belfry, Ohio over Wahama, 57-50. It was the Jefferson Cougars falling to the Washington Patriots tonight, 64 to 59. Lewis County defeated Wheeling Park 62-54. Wyoming East, the Warriors over the Pikeview Panthers 69-56. Drew Hatfield scored 29 points for the Mingo Central Miners and the Hatfield-McCoy shootout, but it wasn't enough as the Miners come up short, falling to Johnson Central, Kentucky 71-64. And at the end of the first quarter, they are all tied up between Tug Valley and Christian County, Kentucky in the Hatfield-McCoy shootout. Yeah, that's the nightcap of that one. Look at girls' scores tonight. Meadow Bridge defeats 150-24. Summers County over Tigers Valley 92-51. Both those part of the hometown invitational. 
Princeton beats Hampshire 45-42. It was Bullet East Kentucky defeating Huntington St. Joe 73-61. Petersburg over Moorefield 61-39. Fayetteville over Greater Beckley Christian 74-31. Wheeling Central defeats Charleston Catholic 35-17. Trinity Christian or uh, Trinity defeats Madonna 45-32. It was Gilmer County over Braxton County, 67-32. Bridgeport defeats Phillip Barber, 62-44. Buchanan Upshur picks up a 63-37 victory over Robert C. Bird. East Fairmont defeats Elkins tonight, 54-45. Fairmont Senior, an overtime winner at Lincoln, 57-52. Huntington bounces back from a loss to Spring Valley last week. The Highlanders defeat Riverside tonight, 76-46. It was Jefferson over South Hagerstown, Maryland, 39-30. North Marion defeats Liberty Harrison, 97-29. A free throw from Lydia Adrian with no time remaining lifts Morgantown to a 43-42 win over Crosstown Rival University. St. Albans defeats Parkersburg tonight. Scott James Ball Club gets a big win, 66-47 over the Big Reds. Williamstown defeats Parkersburg Catholic, 74-61. It was Parkersburg South over Wheeling Park, 62-56. Preston over Grafton tonight, final of 74-37. South Charleston beats Ripley, 56-29. Tucker County, a 73-38 winner over Pocahontas County. Winfield's boys win by 26 at Wayne. Winfield's girls win by 26 at Polka tonight, 75-49 the final. And Ritchie County defeats Work County, 62-48. That's a check of your girls' high school scores across the Mountain State tonight. You know who's undefeated? Fayetteville. The Pirates. Unbeaten after a 63-48 win over the James Monroe Mavericks tonight. And Dave Morrison of ESPN Radio joins us on the program. And Dave Fayetteville continues to impress in this season. Well, they really do. you got to remember this is a team that won 20 games last year with the state tournament seeded eighth. So they improved the schedule. And of course, with uh, a lot of people coming back, they had big expectations, and they're certainly living up to those. The thing about Fayetteville is their defense. And I was I talked to uh, Shady Springs coach today, another team that is really predicated on what their defense does. Fayetteville this year has given up plus 60 once, plus 50 once all the other scores 50 or below and they have improved that schedule adding shady spring to play independence later in the season uh, another pretty good double way team from this area so you know Fayetteville has improved their their schedule the guys are playing but they're still continuing to impress on the court tonight four guys in double figures and I wrote this this evening you know in the football team which was really an offensive juggernaut they go 12 and 0 before they lose to St. Mary's in the semifinals. And uh, this team now has got 12 wins. They have Will Fenton with 12 rebounds, 12 points tonight. They had a 12 point lead at the half. There's just something about uh, the dozen at Fayetteville. <laughs> now they don't have the dirty two dozen. <laughs> They've got the Baker's dozen, 13 guys on the bench tonight. And a lot of those guys did uh, contribute. Jordan Dempsey. 11 points tonight, became the ninth Pirate to have a double-figure scoring game this season for the stable team, now 12-0. That's an impressive number right there. That's a, Again, that's a single-A high school in rural Fayette County, and 
to have that many kids hit double figures in, over the course of a season in individual games, very impressive. And uh, Dave Fayetteville, upcoming week, Greater Beckley Christian on the road, and then a home game with Midland Trail. So an opportunity for the Pirates to uh, pick up a couple more wins. Well, they go for their Baker's dozen uh, <laughs> against uh, Greater Beckley. Midland Trail, it's a Fayette County robbery. They're only separated by the New River Gorge Bridge and about six, seven miles of uh, Route 19. But they're always a, a fierce battle. I know Midland Trail played them earlier in the year. Midland Trail's posted Curtis Miller today. I think, I think we can play with these guys. So they'll get a chance to do that next week in the Memorial Building. Should be a great game. And, and Jameson Rose coming along, too. They were ranked 10th. A lot of people surprised by that. They went one and two this week, so they'll probably fall back out of the, uh, of the uh, AP poll. But uh, very, very impressed with uh, what they were able to do. Matt Salvage, their coach, said we just, you know, went to the rim. Probably we didn't tack the rim real well when we did. Probably missed 15 shots, and that could be true. I think that number is pretty close. But uh, a vastly improved uh, James Monroe team. You look in their section, section two of region three, double A. And uh, you've got Pikeview in there. You've got Bluefield in there. You've got Shady Spring, which has really come on. And this is another team not giving up a lot of points this season. And just, it's going to be a very interesting race to the wire. And Jameson Rose got some guys who can play with Kenley Mann, very good around the rim, even though the team wasn't. He had 17 points. Their big man, Dominic Lewis, had 14. Fayetteville now 12-0 and with the win over James Monroe. Dave Morrison, ESPN. 102.3 The Ticket. Thanks so much for calling us and look forward to talking again next week. You bet. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. All right. Have a good weekend. Again, that's Dave Morrison, ESPN Radio. The Ticket out of Hinton, but covering Fayetteville. He covers a lot of ground there tonight. Big territory. And, uh, oh, we're right up against a hard break here coming up. So uh, let, let me go ahead and set this up for you. Um, T.G. Griffith will have him from WYEP in Clay County. And I want to thank our callers tonight, too. They've had to hang in there a long time tonight. We have did the best that we could do, kind of moving things along. But, with the, you know, again, we had this hard break coming up. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth trying to take somebody's call right now. But T.G. Griffith, Chris Kidd, Sam Blizzard, WELD Radio in Hardy County, and Mike DePasquale of uh, Tigers Valley, the athletic director there, and um, – one of the people behind the hometown invitational he'll join us as well in a moment and coach marone he can hear us we'll we'll get him on the phone on the air after a while but you'll be gone any words for him before you head off to bed so you can get to st mary's early in the morning (laughs) mike Mike, i appreciate you being on the program he does a great job and uh, i'll be listening on my way to the older people's home this evening (laughs) coach have a good night best of luck tomorrow back with a third hour after this Basketball Friday night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. We want you to become part of Basketball Friday night in West Virginia. We keep telling you about Twitter. Well, we're going to mention you if you are a new follower, okay? And we've got some new followers tonight. Gary Sutphin, Gary Zine, Cole, David J. Jones, Abigail Irwin, Logan Cooper, Don E. McCourt, Ball One in Line, Dan, Steve Shaver, 
Tammy Summers, lineman Don Gaynor, Lilo Small, Francis Loftus, Stephen Triggs, National Prospect ID, Spencer, Chapmanville Tigers, the official account of the girls' basketball scores and stats, Fallon Trenton by Barnhart. Uh, we had Bex, Ryan Davis, and Karen Hessen. Thank you so much for following us on Twitter. We want you to become part of the Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia family. Also, give us a call tonight and share your team's game. 855-784-6677. 855-784-6677. Ryan's going to probably kill me because I'm giving out the phone number and he has so many phone calls already. Follow us on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup. You can also text the show at 304-249-4924. 304-249-4924. You can text your scores or any information on your game. Go to our website, basketballnight.com. Welcome back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. To join tonight's program, call 855-78-HOOPS. That's 855-784-6677. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup for all the scores all the time. And visit BasketballNight.com for a comprehensive look at schedules and standings for every team in the state. Stay tuned. Another hour of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia begins right now. Ryan Epling, Joe Linville back with you for our final hour here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Episode 50 of the program. Happy to have you along on this January 20th, 2017. Last week we we heard from our buddy T.G. Griffith for the first time uh, this season, Clay County Panthers. Uh, the girls um, doing pretty well. Boys are struggling. Lost tonight to... Roan County, 73-44 is the final in that boys game. Um, the Clay County girls, on the other hand, uh, yeah, we were still looking for that Clay County Herbert Hoover score in girls basketball tonight. T.G. Griffith is with WYP. He joins us now on the program. First, T.G., thanks so much for holding with us for so long this evening. Second, do you have a score on that girls game? Yeah, and I'll be brief. Uh, it wasn't Herbert Hoover. Roan County, uh, we we had rescheduled the Roan County game. It got uh, canceled earlier in the year, so they played Roan County tonight. The girls did, and we moved the Hoover game until uh, late January. I think it's the 30th, something like that. But, uh, yeah, not a very good week for Clay County. The boys lost Tuesday night to Gilmer County, and then, of course, tonight to Roan County. And the girls lost Monday to East Fairmont. And then tonight, Roan County wins 45-39. And uh, that was a dandy ball game. Clay County, uh, poor shooting. They only had 10 field goals, and, and those were all two-pointers. Couldn't hit a three-pointer. Missed 15 uh, free throws in the game. But it was very close. Rome County led by six early. Clay County came back, went up by eight. Rome County came back in the third. It was tied up at 38 with about two minutes to go. And Rome County outscored Clay County 6-1 to one in the last two minutes. But the real... Uh, battle was between the two big girls, uh, Lucille Westfall for Rome County, 
had uh, 18 points, 16 rebounds, three steals, what five assists and four blocks. And for Clay County, Sarah Boggs had 15 points, 11 rebounds, three steals, two assists, and three blocks. And it, like I said, it was a dandy game. The biggest lead any team had was well, Clay led by eight once and Roan County by six. But uh, that's an LKC game, and that was also uh, a, a sectional rivalry too. Um, but it was it was a very good game. It was very well attended, and it was uh, it was it was good. But uh, yeah, the girls are now six and six. Uh, that final score, I give you that forty five thirty nine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, girls are six and six, and um, I hope the poor shooting doesn't continue because we got some some uh, tough games coming up. Uh, TG, you mentioned those tough games for Clay County's girls. Busy week, three games this week with uh, Nicholas County, Braxton County, and Gilmer County. Yep, yep, sir. Uh, those are yep. difficult ball, difficult ball games there. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, they're either LKC games or uh, or uh, sectional rivalries. So, um, well, we'll just uh, lace it up and try it again next week. That's what hey, we do. hey, sounds like a lot of fun. Hey, TG, thanks so much for hanging in with us tonight. Yeah, you guys are quite welcome. T.G. Griffith, W.Y.A.P. in Clay County. We'll get to Mike D. Pasquale in just a moment. First, we're going to go to Chris Kidd, W.V.O.W. in Logan. And Chris, Logan in Chapmanville tonight. The rivalry's heated up a little bit now that Logan's back into A, And Chapmanville with an important win for that program. Yeah, first time since the 1950s Chapmanville was able to defeat Logan, so uh, everyone from the Eisenhower years is really excited about <laughs> um, But uh, I'll tell you what, Ryan, I mean, you've been, uh, I think all of you guys have been inside of Willie Acres Arena before. That place holds about 2,700, close to 3,000, and it was jam-packed tonight. You had people sitting on the, the stage just trying to get the watch, and it was a sweat box in there, too. But uh, i tell you what, after both teams struggled in the early going in this game, again, it was really low scoring by their standards, but it was really tough defense. But Chapmanville was able to get the advantage in the second quarter. They went on a 12 to nothing run, took an eight-point lead into halftime, and then in the third quarter they really got going and jumped out to a 47-31 lead, and you thought that uh, the Tigers were just going to run away with it. But I tell you what, if people have not been paying attention to David Early or Drew Williamson in this state, then they desperately need to get to a ball game and check them out again. Early is a freshman for Logan. He's 6'3", he's 230 pounds. He looks like a fullback. And the guy is just lightning quick and just so physical. He only had three points at halftime. He ended up with 32 for the game. He scored 21 points in the fourth quarter of this ball game. And then you had Drew Williamson, who was matching him shot for shot. He scored 27 in the game. And Logan was able to cut it as close as four in the fourth quarter. Uh, by just hitting a, a one three after another and one three point play after another, but Chapmanville was able to ice it at the line, and uh, I think Chapmanville showed the veteran leadership they have and their mental toughness in this game because that crowd really got going once Logan crawled back into it. But then I think if you're Zach Green and Logan and how young that they are at a lot of key positions, I think you got to come out of that very pleased with just how hard you fought back in that game because a lot of teams would have just went away against the Chapmanville club that's as good as they are this year. Chris, I'm impressed you still got a voice after calling that game tonight because I know, <laughs> I know, you know how you get into those uh, broadcasts. But uh, definitely a great atmosphere. <laughs> you actually are. I'm impressed. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, Chapmanville's first win in a boys' basketball game in 60 years. That's just 
hard to believe. Oh, yeah, definitely it was. And, you know, I even had to check with Danny Gobby, uh, one of the team members in the community in Chapmanville, uh, about that because I didn't even know if Chapmanville had ever beaten Logan. And, by the way, I didn't have much of a voice after the game, but I'm starting to sit back now, <laughs> thankfully. But, uh, but Chapmanville hadn't won since the 1950s. And whenever they played, whenever Logan was in double-A, uh, back during that run in the mid-2000s. They played from 2002 until 2011, and then things obviously got so heated that uh, everyone just agreed that it was best that they don't play for a while. But Logan was 21-0 and against Chapmanville during that 9-10 year stretch. And really, Chapmanville only played uh, somewhat close a couple of times in some of those games. They were mostly routes, but... You know, you have to give Chapmanville's community a lot of credit for going out and getting big coaches over the last seven years like Harry Kirk, Alan Hatcher. I mean, you're talking about all-time coaches in this state that came in and coached, and they helped build the program. And now Brad Knapper, a young voice who took Mingo Central to their first state tournament appearance, he coached under Mark Hatcher. He coached with a lot of these key coaches in the state right now, even assistant coached at Logan uh, during their state tournament runs in those years. So, uh, you know, you've got – a, a very good pedigree in Brad Knapper, who's down there at Logan, or Chapmanville now, and even at Logan, Zach Green, uh, someone that played for Mark Hatcher and went to the state tournament, played at Alderson Broadus. I mean, you've got two very young coaches that are really building their, their programs and their image right now. And just getting to talk with both of them after the game, I mean, they're fiery, they're, they're into this, uh, they want it so bad for the communities. And, you know, everything went great tonight, too. And I think that, you know, for the community down here in, in Logan and Chattanooga area, I mean, this is a rivalry that could do so much for the communities. And I thought everyone did a great job tonight of having fun and not making it uh, overly serious. Uh, I mean, because obviously you know that basketball runs rampant down here in Logan, West Virginia. So uh, I just thought it was a tremendous atmosphere tonight. And uh, just hats off to both those teams and how well they played. And I think you're looking at two teams that are stuck in that section together that uh, they could very easily wind up in Charleston again. Logan gets back to Braxton Goff tonight. He played pretty solid in his return. Chapmanville didn't have their starting point guard tonight. Kyle Browning, he was out with an illness, and they were still able to get by a very difficult Logan team who beat Pope just a few weeks ago. So I think you're looking at that section with Chapmanville, Logan, Mingo. I mean, that's going to be a dogfight, but this is a big win for Chapmanville to get the upper hand on that one seat, possibly. Chris Kidd, WVOW Radio in Logan, and for at least one night in boys basketball, Logan County belongs to Chapmanville. Congratulations on the win to the Tigers. Chris Kidd, WVOW, thanks so much. Oh, thank you, guys. Y'all have a good weekend. You, you too. And Going right back to the phone lines, um, Sam Blizzard, WELD Radio in Hardy County, joins us now as we catch up on Moorfield, East Hardy, and, and those schools. And uh, Sam, for those schools, East Hardy, uh, a couple of uh, nice performances this week. Yes, uh, we had them uh, back early in the week where they lost to Pendleton County. Uh, played with them for a half and then uh, just kind of got away from them from there. But uh, last night, I believe they defeated a um, one-loss pawpaw club. And then tonight, of course, in the uh, hometown invitation tournament, they um, beat South Harrison. So, yeah, two uh, good wins on back-to-back nights for that East Hardy ball club. For East Hardy now, they are four and six are the Cougars. And uh, looking elsewhere, 
Yeah, in, in in your region, obviously you cover Pendleton County as well as uh, Moorfield, and, and if I leave anybody out, by all means, jump right on in. But uh, Moorfield at four and seven. Uh, let's talk about the Yellow Jackets here for a moment. Uh, that ball club again, as I mentioned, four and seven on the season, and uh, they had a win over Strasburg, Virginia earlier this week. They did. That was the only uh, game that they had this week. Uh, this coming week, I know they have uh, Pendleton County. They go to Franklin to take on Pendleton on Tuesday night. And I believe this is the week uh, they have the rematch with Tucker and Trinity. So a uh, big week for Moorfield this week. And Pendleton County is now 10-2 and two on the season. And um, the Wildcats lost to Petersburg back on December 28th. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Since then, it's uh, been you know pretty successful run here for the Wildcats of uh, Pinco, as the locals call. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, they had the uh, big win, went out to uh, Tucker County and won. Of course, you know that's a tough place to play. Of course, anytime you take on that Tucker County ball club over the last quarter of a century, basically, um, you know that's a. That's a tough one, and you know all wins only count as one. But um, you know, some tells me that's going to uh, add up to be a little bit more than uh, just a victory down the road. I mean, that's a uh, not a place you go into and win very often. Well, Pendleton County, uh, yeah, I was going to say Pendleton County, a team. Yeah, great performance there. Pendleton County, a team that's football team, uh, went to the state semifinals this year, and now it's basketball team ten and two, and. Uh, I think that that group could be one to keep an eye out on the postseason. Hey, Sam, thanks so much for hanging in with us tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, Sam Blizzard, WELD Radio. And all right, I've got to admit, <laughs> I was about, I was, I was ready to set this up to go straight from Sam Blizzard, where he mentioned the hometown invitational, right. to Mike D. Pasquale, uh, who is the athletic director at Tigers Valley and is one of the organizers of the Hometown Invitational. And Joe? He disappeared. He disappeared. But you know what? He's you back. ask. He's back. And he arrives. Mike DePasquale joins us here on the program. And uh, Mike, Hometown Invitational in full swing, boys and girls basketball. And I know this is a, this is a fun time of year for you guys. It's a busy time, but it's a fun time as well. It's real exciting. We're really looking forward to it. The girls' tournament uh, got a lot of games finishing up this weekend for pod play in Division One. We'll start the semifinals next weekend for Division One. Uh, boys just started this weekend. Uh, you know the girls Division Two tied. They're doing. Uh, they're playing three games in the pods instead of two. There's eight teams in the girls uh, Division Two, twelve on the boys side or girls side Division One. So we have twenty teams this year. I believe the boys have seventeen teams this year. So we're looking forward to it. It's a busy time of year for all of us, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Girls Division One games tomorrow. Tulsa at St. Mary's. Sherman at Valley Wetzel. Tug Valley at East Hardy, all on the schedule. Girls Division Two games on the schedule for tomorrow. Payton City at Harmon. Clay Battelle at Union. Meadow Bridge at South Harrison. So you got a lot of, uh, a lot of those smaller schools that will be heading to areas that Quite frankly, many of them likely haven't been to before. It is, and you know, we talked about this, and I was, I was hoping Coach Merlin would still be there because I wanted to get, I wanted to hear his insight on the uh, 
his experience this year at the HIT since he's starting this year for the first time. Um, but, you know, we talked about this in our coaches meeting two weeks ago. Is this, this is not just an athletic experience. It's an educational experience. A lot of these kids never get out of their counties from where they're at because, you know, there's just – Uh oh, yeah, we lost him again. Did we lose him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we lost him. Hey, uh, I think I think we were having a an issue with a maybe a cell phone or, or something there that wasn't quite staying connected. But Mike D. Pasquale, and, and I'll I'll go ahead and finish the thought because I know right where he was headed with it. It's an educational experience because kids get to see different parts of the Mountain State than what they would normally see. And he puts on a great program. I mean, just. Go out and look at the schedule of all these teams he's got coming in, traveling across the state and back and forth. And wow, I, I don't know how he keeps up with all these ball games. Well, you know, and, and, and uh, he mentioned it there, and we're going to go to break here in just a moment. But um, I know for, from just personally, I went to Kaiser one time in my life, and it was for a high school football game. I've been to uh, Short Gap. Up on uh, up on the hill there in Mineral County for Frankfurt one time, and that was for high school um, football. You know, I've been to I can't even tell you everywhere I've been, but I've been you know I've been to St. Mary's for high school football. I've been to Martinsburg, and it's it's unreal when you go to a venue you've never been to before, and it's it's always a great experience. Mike D. Pasquale back with us, and. Uh, Hopefully we hopefully we can stay connected here this time. But uh, Mike, we, we actually just went ahead and finished the thought there about going places that you normally wouldn't go and, and getting to see different yeah. parts of West Virginia. And I agree with you one hundred percent. That might be more important than the basketball aspect of it. You know it is, and the coaches enjoy it. It's just one of those things. I know um, when I was coaching our girls team, I'm our athletic director now. I'm not our head girls basketball coach anymore. But I know our girls enjoyed going to different parts of the state. They enjoyed the trip to St. Mary's the year we went. Um, we went a couple other places. I can't think of right off the top of my head, uh, head. but um, last weekend, 100 went and played on 100, excuse me. Papa went and played at South Harrison and then spent the night in Clarksburg and then went and played at 100. You know, I, I don't know how many of their girls actually have been to Clarksburg, but it's, it's probably an experience for them. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. We look forward to Yeah, and this state is, as, as everyone who lives here knows, <laughs> geographically challenged. Uh, it's easy to kind of get separated you don't necessarily get to different parts of the state and, and quite frankly you have to go through other states to get to certain portions of this state even but uh definitely a, an educational experience and uh i really really look forward to how that plays out every year the hometown invitational i think is one of the most well constructed well thought out things that that happens in high school basketball in west virginia i think it's important for basketball i think it's important for the kids educationally as well and so glad that you do it. And Coach Marone has had nothing but praise for that tournament um, so far this year. Of course, he goes to St. Mary's tomorrow, and he knows that's <laughs> going to be a difficult game for his ball club. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he may change his mind after playing Coach Meeks in St. Mary's tomorrow. <laughs> and we appreciate that. You know, we spend a lot of time in the offseason trying to prepare and change things. And, and as you guys know from talking to me the last three, four years, uh, it, the tournament is constantly changing. We're trying to do what's best for our student-athletes and, and try to make it the best experience as we can as well as possible. Well, always a lot of fun. Hey, Mike, we, we so thank you for hanging in there with us tonight. No problem. I'll hopefully give you guys a call next weekend, and we'll see what's going on uh, 
for the championship. Hopefully I'll submit more information next weekend for you guys. Sounds good. Of course, you can see the hit schedule on basketballnight.com. We'll step aside, take a break, come back, get a scoreboard update, and then we'll hear from our resident referee, Bo Anderson, when Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia continues on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. A special thanks tonight to all of our affiliates. You can, of course, listen on great radio stations throughout the Mountain State, including Talk 92.5 WTHMLP, Ravenswood Ripley, 94 Rock WRLF in Fairmont, Power 92 Radio 92.3 FM WYRCLP in Spencer, 104.5 FM WASPLP Huntington, 97.9 FM WSBWLP Parkersburg, 101.1 FM WVWP Wayne, Knights Radio 91.5 FM WRSG in Middleburn, Talk Radio WRNR Martinsburg, 740 AM, 106.7 FM WHFI Linside, 95 The Sports Fox, WBES Charleston, 950 AM, 101.9 FM and 12.90 a.m., our old friends in Logan, WVOW. Light Rock 93R, WRRR, St. Mary's, 93.9 FM. 90.7 FM, WFGH, Fort Gay. Our newest affiliate, WMTD, The Ticket, 102.3 FM in Hinton. 98.5 FM and 101.5 FM, WQAZ, LP, Edmund, Beckley. 101.7 FM, WYAPLB Clay, and Marshall University's flagship station, 88.1 FM, WMUL in Huntington. Follow us on Twitter, and we'll mention your name tonight, at hoops underscore roundup, at hoops underscore roundup. For scores online, all of them in West Virginia, visit basketballnight.com. Stay up to date on your favorite teams. Check out basketballnight.com. Now, back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia with Coach Rick Marone and Ryan Epling. 11-21 on this Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Ryan Epling, Joe Linville with you till midnight. The Coach Rick Marone has vacated his seat for the night. He's gone home to get a good night's sleep before his Tulsa Lady Rebels head to St. Mary's tomorrow for their hometown invitational contest with the Blue Devils. If Craig Dutton's out there listening, you should drop by and say hi to Coach Marone. He'd appreciate it. Maybe you can set up that bowling event we've been talking about. <laughs> I lost my last softball game to West Virginia State. So, I mean, you know, that, it's a friendly competition, but I'm competitive. I'm, too, I'm just not in shape for softball or anything like that anymore. Bowling, bowling's more my speed right now, so I think we could do that. I couldn't tell you the last time I threw a bowling ball. Well, it's, I mean, and I love bowling. Yeah, it's been three or four years since I've been bowling, but uh, it's like riding a bike. I can do oh, that yeah. just fine. But we know you're here for scores, not to hear us pontificate about our um, athletic ventures outside of basketball, which, quite frankly, are few now. So it's time for a scoreboard update. Joe, let you handle the girls' scores tonight. 
Looking for scores? Look no more. Go to basketballnight.com. On the girls' side of the scoreboard tonight, it was Meta Bridge over 150-24. Summers County defeated Tigers Valley 92-51. It was Princeton over Hampshire 45-42. Bullet East Kentucky down the Irish of St. Joe 73-61. Montcalm defeated Greenbrier West 47-43. Petersburg tonight defeated Moorfield 61-39. It was Greater Beckley Christian falling to the Fayetteville Pirates tonight 74-31. Wheeling Central defeated Charleston Catholic 35-17. It was Trinity over Madonna 45-32. It was Braxton County falling to Gilmer County 67-32. The Indians of Bridgeport defeated Philip Barber 67-44. Buckhannon Upshur goes to 12-2 on the season after defeating Robert C. Bird 63-37. It was Roan County over Clay County 45-39. East Fairmont defeated Elkins 54-45. Fairmont Senior was winners tonight over Lincoln 57-52. It was Huntington over Riverside, 76-46. Jefferson Jefferson Cougars defeated uh, South Hagerstown, Maryland, 39-30. North Marion defeated Liberty Harrison, 97-29. And a tough one in Morgantown, it was the Morgantown Mohegans over the University Hawks, 43-42, a free throw was made at uh, after time expired for the win. It was St. Albans over Parkersburg, 66-47. Williamstown defeated Parkersburg Catholic, 74-61. Wheeling Park fell to Parkersburg South tonight. Uh, that score was 62-56. Grafton fell to Preston, 74-37. It was South Charleston over the Ripley Vikings, 56-29. Tucker County took down the Warriors of Pocahontas County, 73-38. Winfield beat the Polka Dots, 75-49. And it was Ritchie County over Work County, 62-48. In boys basketball tonight, Hatfield-McCoy shootout. The Tulsa Rebels beat the Circuit Riders of Wesley Christian, Kentucky. Final score in that one, 66-63 the final. Also in the Hatfield-McCoy shootout, the Scott Skyhawks defeat Sheldon Clark, Kentucky, 75-73. Hatfield McCoy shootout final score. It was Johnson Central Kentucky defeating Mingo Central 71 64, the final in that one. And a game going on right now. Yes, it's 11 25. Yes, it's going on right now. It's at the half at the Hatfield McCoy shootout in Williamson. Tug Valley and Christian County, Kentucky are tied at 25. Other high school boys scores finals tonight Fayetteville 12 0 after beating James Monroe 63 48. Frankfurt picks up a win over MVCA, 57-51 the final. Magnolia, 57-53 winner over Peyton City. Petersburg defeats Berkeley Springs, 63-43. It was St. Mary's over Tigers Valley, 87-64. It was Winfield defeating Wayne, 76-50. Nitro, a winner over Herbert Hoover tonight, 55-40. Weir picks up a 50-47 victory over the Brook Bruins. Woodrow Wilson, 58 Greenbrier East, 49. Second loss of the season for Governor Jim Justice's Spartans. Wheeling Central defeats Charleston Catholic, 69-63. It was Buffalo over Clay Battelle, 61-53. 
George Washington defeats Spring Valley tonight, 84-54. Raider Beckley Christian picks up a 73-43 win over Liberty Raleigh. Lincoln County defeats Mann, 76-54. The Hillbillies now 0-11. Lincoln County, 9-4. Chapmanville Regional, for the first time in 60 years, the Tigers beat Logan tonight, 67-60 at the Willie Acres Arena, Logan Fieldhouse. Musselman goes to Martinsburg and beats the Bulldogs, 49-46. Appleman now 9-1. Midland Trail defeats Sherman, 60-53. It was Mountain View over Summers County, 77-54. Parkersburg defeats St. Albans, 61-50, the final in that one. Ravenswood goes on the road and survives against Point Pleasant, 49-47. Red Devils get the win. Princeton defeats Hampshire, 50-47. Roan County over Clay County, 73-44. East Hardy over South Harrison, 60-43. Southern Garrett, Maryland defeats Kaiser, 59-57. Hedgesville, 13-1 after the Eagles defeat Spring Mills tonight, 57-32. It was Steubenville Catholic Central Ohio, 69. Madonna, 64. Belfry defeats Wahama, 57-50. The Washington Patriots beat the Jefferson Cougars tonight, 64-59, a patriotic showdown for that one. Also tonight, Lewis County's Minutemen defeat Wheeling Park. Another patriotic game, by the way. 62-54 was the final in that one. Wyoming East defeats Pikeview in overtime. 69-56, the Warriors get the home win. And that is your BasketballNight.com scoreboard update. Always you can get those scores at BasketballNight.com at hoops underscore roundup on Twitter. Right now, we'll step aside for a break. When we come back, our resident referee, Bo Anderson, joins us as Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia rolls on on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Join us online. Visit our website we want you to answer the poll before we give the results of course last week we asked do you think the nfhs rules regarding uniforms and accessories are too strict 75 percent of you said yes this week's question should coaches be able to call live ball timeouts in high school Go online at basketballnight.com. Vote in this week's poll. You've got till 11.45, so you've got a few minutes left. We'll share the results at the end of tonight's show. If you love basketball, then there's only one place to be on Friday nights. It's Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. What about those picks? Get your pictures featured on our video stream. You're watching right now via YouTube or by RSN Sports Facebook page. We're featuring your pictures from games around the Mountain State this past week. Send your pictures to us at RSN Sports on their Twitter account, Facebook, or Instagram, or send them to Hoops underscore Roundup on our Twitter account. And by the way, we want you to follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. A shout-out to our newest Twitter followers tonight. Spencer, Stephen Triggs, Francis Loftus, Lilo's mom, hello Lilo's mom, Don Gaynor, lineman, Tammy Summers, Steve Shaver, Dan, Donnie McCourt, Logan Cooper, 
Abigail Irwin, David J. Jones, Cole, and Gary Sutton. They're all following us on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup. Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, Coach Rick Marone and Ryan Epling. 11.30 on this Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, Ryan Epling, Joe Linville, and Marcus Constantino with you here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. We'll talk to our resident referee, Bo Anderson, in a moment. I've got a question for him. Settle so in, Bo. There, Bo. Settle in. <laughs> But before we do that, our latest power ratings just released onto the website, basketballnight.com. And Marcus is here with a preview. All right. So first, starting in the girls' AAA, basketballnight.com power ratings. South Charleston hanging on to the number one spot. Huntington coming in at number two. Buchanan Upshur in at number three. Greenbrier East number four. Martinsburg jumps up two spots uh, to move into number five. In the girls' AA power ratings, Bluefield hanging on at number one at 11-1. Winfield 14-1 stays at number two. Wyoming East, uh, the Lady Warriors jump two spots up to number three. North Marion falls one into number four. And Fairmont Senior jumps up three spots into number five moving on down to class single a girls willing central uh staying on top 14 and one um in the number one spot rick marone's tulsa lady rebels uh gonna have to win a couple more rick you're still at number two summers county staying in at number three williamstown moves up one spot to number four st joe down one spot into number five moving on to the boys basketballnight.com power ratings in triple a university moves up to number one morgantown um, still moving up one more spot to number two capital falls two spots into number three george washington moves up one into number four and the parkersburg big reds up one spot into number five Moving on into boys double A. Fairmont Senior hanging on to number one. Polka number two. North Marion number three. Chapmanville the Tigers up to number four. Bluefield falls one. The Beavers are coming in at number five. And finally the boys single A. Basketballnight.com power ratings. Fayetteville stays at number one. They're 12-0. Willing Central in at number two. Ravenswood coming in staying at number three. Notre Dame at number four. Pendleton County jumps two spots into number five and that's this week's basketballnight.com power ratings of course you can go to the website right now basketballnight.com and see the entire ratings thank you very much marcus and before we go to bo anderson i want to say real fast that we're understanding now that the archdiocese has stepped in and says that mike young will remain the head football coach at wheeling central I know we don't cover a lot of football during basketball season. The name of the show is Basketball Night in West yeah. Virginia, but it's been, a, it's been an interesting, interesting couple of days. Yeah, Lots. we've been following that along, you know, all uh, all today, you know, with uh, Bishop Donahue closing. Obviously, uh, you know, that called us by surprise, and uh, uh, he was fired, and uh, now he's not. Uh, <laughs> it's been a crazy day. A lot of in, action uh, coming up out in of the, the northern part of the yeah, state. Northern Panhandle. It's uh, wow, a lot, lot of happenings in the. In the school systems up there, uh, Marcus, thanks so much, and 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 Joe, your thoughts on you know the Bishop Donahue closure you mentioned. We know it's different. Private school, public school is different with funding, 
but the same is, I mean, this is more or less like a business going out of business than it is a than as much as it is a school closing. But it, it is a surprise for a community that um, you know Bar- Bishop Donahue's been there since 1955. It's entrenched in um, in Ohio County and in Moundsville, or it's not in, in Marshall County, excuse me, in Moundsville, yeah, in McMacken. Yeah, it's about halfway between Moundsville and uh, Wheeling, and you know. I guess if you got time to plan, you know, that this could be a real possibility. But, you know, when we talked to uh, Mike earlier, it it just caught him totally off guard. And, I mean, the people were shocked. And then he said, you know, we learned about it from an email uh, through social media. And that's just – it's a shock to a community when things like that happen, especially when you're really not expecting it. Of course, we thank Sean Ryan of the Willing Intelligencer who has been covering – you know, the situation with Mike Young at Willing Central with football and uh, covering the Bishop Donahue closure at the end of the year. And, you know, he's also a father of, uh, of, of kids who are in the Bishop Donahue system. So uh, we, thanks, we thank him so much for uh, keeping us uh, up to date on, on everything that's been going on. <laughs> Crazy 24 hours there. Okay, time for our resident referee, Bo Anderson. Bo has held on long enough tonight. We've almost run out of uh, wait time for him. Uh, Bo, thanks so much for joining us here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Well, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Hello, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. All right, so, Bo, um, I guess my question is something that I saw earlier this week. It's something I haven't seen a lot of. I've, 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 it's not anything necessarily new. But um, when you're talking about a technical foul assessed to a an individual player on the bench who is, who is not in the game, they are on the bench, but assessing a foul a technical foul to an individual player on the bench, is that the same process as it would be for someone who's on the court, meaning that it's only the individual who gets the technical, it's a personal foul, and it's a team foul? Or is there some other procedure that matches more like the coach getting the technical? Okay, well, anything that's on the bench, anything that's bench personnel, is a indirect technical to a head coach in that case. So it, it will be you know, two shots in the ball uh, for the uh, the other team, but it will also count because it is bench personnel. It will count as a technical on that individual player and as an indirect technical foul to head coach. And uh, just to refresh your memory, the coach gets a combination of three. He can have three indirects. He can have two indirects and a direct, or he can have two directs. Or he could just have one flagrant. So, I mean, there's a lot of combinations, but uh, it can add up to three, and that would be one of his indirect technical fouls. Uh, when someone on the bench, whether it be a player, a trainer, uh, uh, you know, an assistant coach, anybody that's bench personnel who gets assessed technical foul, it's also charged indirectly to the head coach. Another question that came up last week when we didn't get to have you on the program to answer it was about coaches calling timeouts in live ball situations. Uh, I know that's still available, but is that something that 
and I know you don't. Know, we don't necessarily bring you on to give your opinion so much as to give you know the rules of the game. But it appears that at least the college level are starting to try to phase out coaches calling live ball timeouts and having to be someone on the floor, a player call for it. Because I, I know, I'm you know putting myself in your situation. You're hearing timeout being screamed from somewhere in the gymnasium behind you. And the That's difficult to keep up with. Well, the catch is we're supposed to see and hear because the head coach is the only person on the bench that can call a timeout. Uh, the assistants can't. And the problem you might have if you don't see and hear is it may be that fan behind the coach it's time for the coach to get a timeout and thinks he doesn't do a very good job and needs the timeout. And, you know, you may grant a timeout that the head coach didn't ask for. So our job is to see and hear the coach requesting the timeout. So uh, it's a combination of both. Um, and, you know, it is difficult, especially in a gym where it's packed. Um, and I think sometimes what happens is, you know, I think more than anything else, the coaches sometimes get up. And we lost. And we've <laughs> lost Bo. Oh, no. No Bo. That's two weeks in a row. It's two weeks in a row that our resident referee, that we, we've lost him. And, and actually um, – I think the problem is as much on, on – I think that problem's on our side. We'll, we'll have to work on that. Um, Joe, he, he brings up a point, though, about having to look to be able to make that call. And um, visually, you know, as an official, if it's a coach behind him, he's got to look at the ball. And even on a three-man crew – where they're basically everybody's facing at least one direction. There's still there's still blind spots, and, and there's still coaches behind you more than likely. Right. So you're trying to look, then turn around, look, see. I mean that. I just think that streamlining that into players on the floor being the only ones who can call timeout would would tremendously help the situation. One less thing for officials to worry about. Well, like he said, you know, you've got fans in the stands that are screaming timeout. You've got the head coach. You've got players on the floor. I mean, you know, what direction do you look? I mean, you're you're trying to watch the situation to make sure it's, you know, it's legitimate. You're trying to, you know, watch two ends of the floor between two head coaches uh, because the, the ball could go back and forth uh, before a, a tie-up is called or the whistle is blown. So, I can only imagine what a referee's mind's going through. They're going about 20,000 directions there at, at that moment. Definitely, um, yeah, just a whole lot to keep up with. And if you think officials sometimes struggle, a lot of times it's because they've got a whole lot that they're responsible for in different directions. It's, it's difficult to be focused on. You know, like you or I watching the game can look straight at the ball and not really have to worry about anything else. Or if we think there might be somebody hanging around the paint too long, we can just stop and watch them. But they have other responsibilities on the court too, and it can be easy to miss things because of that. And basketball is so fast-paced. I mean, it's it's not like football. You run a play, you stop, reset. You know, basketball is just constantly back and forth, up and down until, you know, there's a, a foul or a timeout or, you know, out of bounds so 
lot going on on the floor, even though there's three officials. Well, we thank our resident referee, Bo Anderson, so much for calling, and we apologize that we lost him for the second straight week there. I think we've got our phone line situation sorted out, and let's see if we can go to Craig Dutton, WRRR, in St. Mary's. Craig, are you with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm here, Ryan. All right, good, good. Good to hear from you tonight, Craig. It's almost like, you see, I call him out, and there he comes. Yeah, he just calls right in, right yeah, after. There we go. No, no, I actually was dead there for a little bit. I turned my radio back on there for a moment. You just, right, I got back right when you were talking about the, so that hopefully everything's back to order with the technical difficulties. But no, I'm, I've been uh, listening in the program, of course, uh, St. Mary's this week. The boys continue on their win streak. They've had a break since they uh, defeated South Harrison for the title the following Friday. And tonight they played their first game in the hometown tournament hosting Tigers Valley. Next week they'll go to Calhoun County to take care of their second game in the pod. And from that point they'll they'll assess how how well the teams did and figure out how they want to do uh, if St. Mary should get a win or they lose to Calhoun this week, you know, where they're going to be set. But the boys are looking good. They've got some younger players now they've brought up into the program. They're going to have a few guys coming back uh, from injuries in the season. But tonight they uh, had saw Will Billiter and Sam Kincaid get 22 points apiece in their 87-64 to victory over Tigerts. And Caleb Riggleman, uh, honestly, and, and his entire teammates for Tigerts, a uh, very athletic team. They were actually able to keep up with St. Mary's for the most part. Just there towards the end, it was just a few extra plays that the Blue Devils were able to come away with. They're just more pure shooters as a team. Uh, and honestly, this week the girls uh, had a rough time. The girls... Uh, they had that win over Frontier, which Frontier was undefeated at the time. They defeated them, and the next night they fall to Williamstown. So it just depends on what kind of team you see in the St. Mary's girls from one night to the next. Um, you going to give Rick Moreno a hard time tomorrow? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I feel bad about that with Rick. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to see him tomorrow. That's the first game I've, I've missed as public address announcer at St. Mary's for about three or four years. I don't know if we're even going to have a PA announcer tomorrow. So Rick comes to town and Craig skips out. I see how it works. <laughs> he, he knew Rick was bringing the basketball night challenge. I know. I, we could have had that challenge, and honestly, it, it would have been right there for it. I have all the paperwork ready to go for anyone who wants to fill in. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, uh, hey, Ron, there you go. <laughs> What's that? No, I'm, uh, no. Joe's <laughs> trying to get me to go to St. Mary's to do public address for a game tomorrow, but I, I've got, I've got, I've got, a, I got something to do. Uh, I have to, I have to actually PA a Wayne Mingo Central girls game tomorrow afternoon uh, at Pioneer Gym. Looking forward to that. But um, oh wow! Hey, always, always a good time. Hey, Craig, sorry we had to catch you on hold there for a little while, and um, oh, that's fine. Glad we got this all worked out. You know, always look forward to talking with you and. Uh, Next week, we'll, we'll recap that St. Mary's-Tulsa game and talk about whatever's up next for the Blue Devils in the Hometown Invitational. The Hometown Invitational, I know next week I can talk to you a little bit about Catholic. I think the boys are going to play them twice next week, and the girls will play them once. So that's always an interesting matchup within the LKC. So I look forward to it there, Ryan and Rick. Absolutely. Take care, Craig. That's Craig Dutton of uh, WRRR Radio in St. Mary's, who... I'm going to give him a hard time again. Just mistake Joe Linville for Rick Marone. Oh, well. It happens. All right. We're going to step aside, take our final break. We'll come back. We'll have our poll question. We'll talk to Rick Kozlowski of the Martinsburg Journal. 
It's cause Tom always at the end of the show. And we will get our final check of the scoreboard. One game still in progress. It's winding down as this show winds down on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. High school basketball action in West Virginia is heating up as teams focus on a trip to the state championship in Charleston. Stay up to date with your local team and its progress all season long with Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia for three hours every Friday night from 9 to midnight. Listen online or on great radio stations throughout the Mountain State. And we're now on 20 stations. Hear sports writers, broadcasters, coaches, players, and your calls recapping your team's game. Visit BasketballNight.com for more details on how you can become part of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. Thanks to everyone tonight that called, sent texts, tweets, emails. We appreciate you being part of the show and helping us cover all high school basketball throughout West Virginia. A shout-out to our new followers, including the Chapmanville Tigers girls basketball uh, Twitter account. We appreciate that, uh, providing us with official scores and stats tonight. Fallen, Trenton Barnhart, Bex, Ryan Davis, Kara Hessen, Gary Sutton, Cole David, Jay Jones, and Abigail Irwin. They're all following us tonight on Twitter, at Hoops underscore Roundup. At hoops underscore roundup. Once again, tweet us your team scores, give us your comments on the game, and we want to hear about that final game happening tonight. At hoops underscore roundup. This is Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. up to date on your favorite teams check out basketballnight.com now back to basketball friday night in west virginia with coach rick marone and ryan epling 11 48 on this basketball friday night in west virginia guys there's so much going on right here no idea uh right up joe limbo with you um as we are to our final segment and that means it's cause time we bring in Rick Kozlowski of the Martinsburg Journal is tough enough. He joins us now on the program. And, you know, Rick, I was just, I was just one of those let it play. <laughs> Tough enough. <laughs> oh no, uh, Rick! Rick's giving us a concert now, but uh, keep your day job. <laughs> that, that, that's all right. Hey, Rick, tonight Musselman nights. Yeah, oh, there, okay. yeah, there you go. Musselman defeats uh, Martinsburg tonight. I know both teams had come off of a loss earlier in the week, and uh, Musselman gets the three point win in Martinsburg tonight. Yeah, it was not a well played game. Lots of turnovers, lots of missed shots, 
And uh, like I wrote in my story, it was like someone grabbed Rembrandt's palette and smeared all of his paints before he could apply a brush. Well, that's creative. I like that. See, Rick Rick Kozlowski is very creative with his writing. Uh, one of the one of the better um, writers in, in West Virginia, in my opinion, in terms of being able to link together different things with sports and to cre- be creative. Uh, with storytelling, and quite frankly, you know, sports writing with deadlines and so forth is a lot of here's what happened, boom. But uh, Rick's always able to kind of add a little flair to it. And um, for Musselman tonight, uh, a little bit of validation after that loss to Morgantown? Well, apparently, Musselman played very well against Morgantown, as I understand it. Both teams played very well. And Tonight, I, I, both teams were coming off of losses, and I don't know if they were just pressing so hard, uh, you know, mentally. Uh, but then, you know, Martinsburg's pressure defense uh, affected Musselman, you know, a great deal, and there were just it, lots of turnovers, lots of missed shots. Martinsburg attempted twenty-three three-point shots, made just three, and. Dave Rogers, the coach of the Bulldogs, kind of lamented that, saying, that's not us, that's not what we want to do. And Musselman just kind of, you know, somehow stuck around and got a great game out of one of their, you know, probably more role-type players, Devin Caton, uh, 13 points, which which led, to, uh, well, led all scorers, actually, but he was the one that kind of kept them in the game where some other, you know, more starring players struggle tonight, quite frankly. So, nice win tonight for Musselman. And then Martinsburg jumps right back in the fray tomorrow with a game with the Morgantown Mohegans. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how that uh, all kind of... kind of a a circular kind of thing with Musselman playing Morgantown Monday, then Morgantown... I'm sorry, Musselman playing Martinsburg tonight. And then Martinsburg playing Morgantown tomorrow. So I, I think we'll kind of get an idea, maybe, uh, you know, how the teams you know kind of react with each other, or uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've the la- I guess the last couple of weeks uh, in basketball in Eastern Panhandle, I've kind of been scratching my head. I know, like for instance, you know, last week. Spring Mills beat uh, Sharando out of Virginia by 31 points, and then you know a couple of days later, Martinsburg beats Spring Mills by 20, and then turns around and plays Sharando on Wednesday, and loses in overtime. Yeah, I know sport sports is one of those great things, the great equalizer at times. It's you know what they used to say in the NFL: any given Sunday, you know things happen. But sometimes you just like you just like scratch your head and say, "How?" <laughs> well, I think Rick that this means that Martinsburg beats Morgantown tomorrow, right? Because that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, but 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 and I think it'd be a great game no matter what. I mean, I don't... yeah, I'm expecting a very good game. Uh, you know, so I guess by by that logic, uh, you know, sure. Yeah, <laughs> and then they'll turn around later in the season and you know play to a five overtime tie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they just decide to call it a night because it's too, 
<laughs> Rick, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, joining us tonight here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Look forward to it every week. And I appreciate those uh, those those words that you uh, you said about my writing, Ryan. Really, honestly, well, I definitely appreciate the work you put in with. Uh, covering high school sports and just covering sports in general up in uh, Martinsburg and for the Martinsburg Journal. That's Rick Kozlowski. Um, we got to jump right to our poll question. Seth Payne here for that. Seth, take it away. All right. Well, uh, last week, guys, our uh, basketballnight.com poll was, should coaches be able to call live ball timeouts in high school? And that was just a simple yes or no question. And uh, 87% of you said yes. And uh, 13% said no. Uh, this week, uh, basketballnight.com poll is, do you like the hometown invitational tournament setup? And again, that's just a yes or no. You can vote on basketballnight.com. That's all the way through 11 o'clock uh, next Friday night. That poll will be open. Actually, I think it's all the way through 11.45 next Friday. Anyway, it'll be, op- it'll be on the site and uh, the new question will be on there at midnight. We kind of stalled here a little bit for the, this last scoreboard because there's a one game still going on in West Virginia at this hour in the Williamson Fieldhouse. It's a one-point game with a minute 15 left. We're hanging in there trying to get the final of that one. But, Joe, before we do that, we do need a full scoreboard update. And uh, we'll turn you loose with the boys' scores. Looking for scores? Look no more. Go to basketballnight.com. Tulsa over Wesley Christian tonight in that half Hill McCoy shootout, 66-63. Fayetteville over James Monroe, 63-48. Frankfurt over MVCA, 57-51. Magnolia, a winner tonight over Payton City, 57-53. Petersburg down Berkeley Springs, 63-43. St. Mary's, the Blue Devils, over the Bulldogs of Tigers Valley, 87-64. Scott Skyhawks picking up win number two on the season tonight. Big win over Sheldon Clark in that half-field McCoy shootout, 75-73. Winfield defeated Wayne, 76-50. It was Nitro over at Herbert Hoover, 55-40. Weir defeated Brook, 50-47. Greenbrier East. Falls to Woodrow Wilson, 58-49. It was Wheeling Central, Wheeling Central over Charleston Catholic, 69-63. It was Buffalo over Clay Patel, 61-53. George Washington defeated Spring Valley tonight, 84-54. Liberty Raleigh fell to Greater Beckley Christian, 73-43. It was the Man Hillbillies falling to the Lincoln County Panthers, 76-54. Big win tonight for the Chapmanville Tigers, defeating the Logan Wildcats 67-60, first time in over 60 years. Martinsburg fell to Musselman 49-46. It was Midland Trail over Sherman 70-53. Mount View defeated Summers County 77-54. Parkersburg, the Big Reds over St. Albans Red Dragons 61-50. Ravenswood picks up another win with a win over Point Pleasant 49-47. Princeton defeated Hampshire 50-47. Roan County, the Raiders over Clay County 73-44. It was East Hardy over South Harrison tonight 60-43. It was South, South Garrett Maryland, Southern Garrett, Maryland, rather, over the Golden Tornadoes of Kaiser, 
57. Hedgesville defeated Spring Mills 57-32. Steubenville Catholic over Madonna 69-64. Belfry, Ohio downs Wahama 57-50. It was Washington over Jefferson 69-54. Lewis County down Wheeling Park 62-54. It was Wyoming East over Pikeview 69-56. Johnson Central Kentucky over Mingo Central tonight in that Hatfield McCoy shootout. And it is Christian County. Up, oh, go ahead. I've got an update on that one. Okay. Tug Valley leads Christian County, Kentucky, 66-63 with 37.6 seconds left. Not going to have time to go through all the girls' scores tonight, so I'll get uh, just highlight a couple here for you. In overtime, Fairmont Senior beats Lincoln, 57-52. Uh, Fayetteville beats Greater Beckley Christian, 74-31 behind. 36 points from Kendall Malay. Lydia Adrian hits a free throw with no time left to lift Morgantown to the home victory over University, 43-42. And 27 points tonight for Devin Hefner as Parkersburg South defeats Willing Park, 62-56. All scores on basketballnight.com and on at hoops underscore roundup. A lot of great games tomorrow with the Hometown Invitational. A lot of great games and the Hatfield-McCoy shootout. So a lot of great high school basketball tomorrow. Get out and watch your team play. That's right. That Hatfield-McCoy shootout still going on at the Williamson Fieldhouse. In fact, full day tomorrow of games. Unfortunately, we won't have the final on the show tonight of Tug Valley Christian County, Kentucky. It'll be on at Hoops underscore Roundup and BasketballNight.com. Thanks for listening to Episode 50. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Tune in next Friday for the latest high school basketball action from across the Mountain State. Visit BasketballNight.com for our show archives, the poll question of the week, and the BasketballNight.com scoreboard. Until next time, have a great weekend, and thank you for listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. The preceding broadcast was a presentation of the Fast Break Sports Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.